Um, I, you know, I, Soulbound coming out has probably been a good thing for me, uh, like me personally, Andrew J.V. Heggie, because it's united the clans for me, because I'm very heavily RPG invested, like just, but I usually do all that stuff off stream and away from the camera. I talk about it a lot. And it's hard to like be like, oh, this is Age of Sigmar, Age of Sigmar podcast. Even though I love adjacencies, it's hard to like talk about RPGs as much as I wanted to. So Soulbound coming up out has given me agency to talk about it as much as I. It's just like go go like talk about it forever. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that's why I did a whole separate podcast specifically to talk about RPGs, right? Because I couldn't do it in the normal like uh, course of what any of the shows I have are about. Right. So, yes, that's why I made Undesign. And I agree. Like, I, here, I'll give you the honest truth, Meph. I didn't really care about this game coming out. Mm -hmm. That is to say, like, I was tacitly interested in it. Like, I was neutral. Mm -hmm. And then it came out, and I was like, of course, I'm going to give it a read. I'm not, I was not negative. Let me be 100% clear, right? I was nothing. I was a hot five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just right, right. running on neutral. And then I read it, and I was like, yeah, okay. I can get into this. I'm down for this. Right. All right. Let's let's get let's get some going. Let's get some. Let's get let's get amongst it. So so I, I guess real quick. Uh, I mean, what was it? That, what was it that? What was that spark moment where you went from like the five to the to the eight or the or the or the nine? Uh, well, it certainly wasn't in dealing with the layout of the book. I'll say that much for sure. <laughs> Which. Uh, we can get into we'll later. Get into, we'll get into. St <laughs> uh, just in seeing how they in general conducted things. And once I did the character sheet that handled all the silly, like sort of math that happens, I was able to then more free and clear, just focus on concepts. Mm -hmm. And I liked how it's, it, uh, it is a system that allows you to bring more or less what you would want to be in the mortal realms to life without too much concern of uh, oblique minutia. Uh, there is still some minutia. All games have some minutia, but I found this to be a tolerable level of minutia. And it, uh, once I, once I wasn't focused on trying to remember all the calculations anymore, which is what I was doing on first read, I was like, wait, which one of these things connects to this? Okay, hold on. If I want to, what? How do I get initiative again? Like once I stopped having to think about all that, and I was just able to focus on like, oh, okay, I can see the forest for the trees now, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and I could see all the different characters I could make, and I started like actually just thinking like, oh, this is a thing that would be cool in the mortal realms. Let me try to make that, and I made it. And I was like, oh, neat, that works actually pretty well. Let me try again, and you know, I just started making things that I had wanted to, that I thought were cool in the mortal realms. And I was like, nope, this. This does what it says on the tin, so that's what got me excited. So, like that—that that sort of as advertised started to come through once you you got through the the weeds initially of the math, right? Yeah, Same yeah, thing. yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so I see chat gangs here. That means I got to do this thing where I mention, in case you don't know, that I am the magical Mister Mephisto, the most dangerous man in Age of Sigmar, joined today by the legendary Vince Venturella. How's it going tonight, Dave? Dude. Pretty good, buddy. Right on, right on. So this is, of course, Rantcast episode 49. We're going to be talking about Soulbound and RPGs in general because uh, Vince, as he mentioned kind of here at the, I guess, the cold open, you'd call it, was talking about his own podcast, Undesign, where he, he sort of does dives into the RPGs, the stuff that just doesn't reconcile really well with 
you know, Warhammer Weekly. Um, so we're going to kind of, we're going to build the bridge uh, today with this this podcast. We're going to talk about sort of both sides of that. Um, yeah, but Before I get into that, I have to mention this, 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 uh, I got to shill a little bit. Uh, the storm, the new player Stormcast giveaway is still going on. Remember, if you're a new player, leave a comment on the YouTube video. Uh, tell me a little bit why you're, you're interested in Age of Sigmar. Uh, you'll get thrown into the random drawing uh, during the ranties uh, next month. Look for the schedule on that. Uh, I will have Molly draw a name from a hat and ship you out a box of a bunch of Stormcast Eternals provided by the mad lad himself, W. Soren. So, oh, shilling aside. Man, so we were, we were I guess... We were we were talking about we were talking about the the, the RPG there a little bit, kind of uh, I guess like I said during the cold open. Uh, maybe we want to walk it back a little bit. So you've got this this awesome spreadsheet. I guess how did you, man? So so my experience with with Soulbound was like uh, I'm a filthy playtester, everybody. So uh, if if you don't like something about the game, feel free to. It's my fault. All uh, your fault. All my fault, 100%. I want you to know that right now. The Australians uh, are free and clear. It's all yeah, Mephisto. Yeah, specifically, that thing you hate the most about that mechanic right now you're reading, mm-hmm. me. I actually shoehorned that in with my advantage. Uh, so so you know, that was me. Um, <laughs> no, I, I so so my experience was like, you, you, super excited. I, I was kind of like, at first I was selfishly looking at Soulbound from an Age of Sigmar perspective. Because... If I want to play a game that is skinned like whatever, I'm a competent enough GM to where I will just take a system I like and and just change it to be the thing I I want to play. You know, sure. I, I sure. can take I can take rifts and I can have it get invaded by 40k orcs and run a whole campaign that suddenly it's 40k orcs. You can get rifted someplace else. Like I I'm I'm comfortable doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. So initially I was kind of like, oh, this is going to be great for Age of Sigmar because it's going to tell us some of the stuff about Age of Sigmar that we didn't know. But as I was going through it myself, my own personal journey, I began to get excited about the RPG itself. And it was like, inci- it was kind of interesting to me because it was like, you know, they talk about the Necroquake and a lot of the intro fluff. And like, this is like, they don't want to do Age of the Death to happen. So I'm like, hell yeah, that's pretty metal. But I also kind of got the the feeling as I was like looking at the the great parts and looking at this map. I'm like, I can really just do anything I want with this. I don't need to like hinge it to the soul the soul wars. I don't need to, um, you know, we. I, I guess I'll give away a uh, give away a little little tantalizing detail that we're going to be running a a game on stream. I'll be running a game. You you Tom will be playing in it. Hey, we'll we'll be in that, and then Chuck Moore from Strength Hammer. So kind of a. I'm just looking forward to that for the personalities involved, but like it's gonna be a good time. <laughs> yeah, and you're playing a Skaven because like we're already like <laughs> changing shit. <laughs> sure, I mean I was banging out custom rules on Saturday. This this game came out last Thursday, not not this last last. They're like, oh, it's been out for ten days. There you go. Let's put it like that. Mm-hmm. By Friday, I decided I want to make the character sheet. By Saturday, I had made the the sheet and was uh and was. Uh, cranking through the custom rules for every other species. Like by Saturday night, I was on with Tom and we were talking about, you know, making up the the custom species rules uh, for for every other species. So like the sheet has like, um, you know, Skaven and Gits and Oryx and Ogres and 
uh, Seraphon and all that kind of stuff in there too. Right. right. And the, the, to be clear, the book does have a custom species section. Uh, is it yeah, in the rules? It, is it in the rules? <laughs> it, it's it's not in the rules section. It's no, rules it, section. you wouldn't. Yeah, the, you would think that most things would fall in the rules section that were rules, but you'd be very wrong on that. Um, the uh, the no, it, it it's it's way it's down in like the GM it's the option section. section. Yeah, 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 and I mean the honestly, this is a very simple game to design for. So full credit to them; they actually gave a nice. Uh, they gave a nice like framework to do your own design that I thought was pretty straightforward. So, for example, you know, if you if you want to make a new species, really the only thing it's one rule, and it's one rule that's about the weight of a talent, which there's plenty of examples of, and it's pretty easy to figure out what weight that should be. It's like two points out of your 35 XP. It's pretty simple to design power appropriate talents that are that fit for the races. Uh, for the species, I should say. And then if you want to do some custom spell lores, I did two of those as well. Um, I did those for Skaven and for Gits. You know, that's just a matter of literally popping open the battle tome. I read the spell in the battle tome, typed out a version of it as to how it would work in the game, like as, as direct of a translation as I could, right? Mm -hmm. And then just went through their big chart and costed it out because they have a chart that's like, Add one to the difficulty of it does this, and two to the difficulty of it does this, and da, 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 and just went down the line, mm -hmm. right? So it's it's not like it's that hard uh, to to do that design, but still, I thought, hey, why not do it? I I love designing stuff and making stuff. That's where I, I think that, I'm passionate. I mean, obviously, you you've actually made uh, what one RPG, several RPGs. Like how how how's this? How's the I've published six books, five different RPGs. Five different RPGs. What's the system that you 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 reference a lot? Um, you NGS, on, on, the narrative game system. NGS. So, so you you mentioned you like designing stuff. NGS. I I was talking to you and Tom. You actually say that you use a lot of those principles throughout other games you play. Have you mm -hmm. already found yourself using the NGS like as you approach this book, or haven't you gotten to that step yet? And do you want to explain kind of whilst talking about NG, NGS what NGS is, what it is that you design, real quick? Sure. So the narrative game system or NGS, which I launched in 2014, I can't believe it was six years ago. If you remember when my camera used to be at a slightly different angle, <laughs> like I changed yeah. the, the camera angle, but when it looked back here, there's a giant poster on the wall of like a cowboy, a knight and a superhero and a giant spaceship and across it says NGS. And the premise of NGS is any story, any setting, any time, right? And the idea of it was to make a uh, a game that was truly focused on narrative, on storytelling, with the lightest rules necessary to actually tell a story, okay? To be playing a game, I should say. Well, not to cut you off, but rules for me okay. in, in, in an RPG are giving us a common point of interaction. Otherwise, it really just is like... like you know, I've got like a laser gun. Well, I've got a laser gun force field. Well, my laser gun is special that it breaks force fields. Like, otherwise it becomes that. you got to have some, some... Oh, I, I hear that a lot. I'm not sure that's true because really? improv troops seem to work fine all the time. Mm. And improv troops are just collaborative storytelling Fair where enough. they all agreed beforehand that they will yes and. That's it. That's the one rule. Mm. Right. 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 Uh, but we're not all interested in being improv troops. Like we want things to have some kind of resolution, which means the introduction of some kind of mechanical element. But like 
it is a stripped down game. Like it is truly as minimal of a mechanics as, as are necessary. We cut to the bone. Okay. You know, like famously age of Sigmar launched with its four page of rules. Realistically, the, the, the rules as they are for NGS fit on app page. Okay. And, um, and it, the key is it allows you to tell, to make any character in any setting and tell any story mm-hmm. period. Whatever world you can imagine, whatever character you can think of, you can build it in this game. And it's not like GURPS or something where you have to go through 70,000 different permutations of weird rules and flowing stuff to make that happen. It's actually very, very easy uh, because I, that was the goal. I famously dislike GURPS and Bessem, like personally. I, I, I tend to have a problem with those generic systems because I find them soulless. Like they're just they're just the mechanics, and there's no soul to that stuff. I would. Yeah, rather... this is exactly the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So, so like you love to design. You've designed this system. Where do you think you rate? I guess uh, soul bound. We mentioned like you finding that spark. You immediately jump and you start designing stuff. Where do you kind of rate soul bound and its attention to narrative once you? This is a this is a mechanically dense book. I don't want to. It is. I don't want to sell people wrong on this. This is a this is a mechanically dense book, but like, kind of like what we were saying at the onset. I feel like that that can be really distracting once you start to get excited about some of the other layers to it. Where did that like? Do you think that the? I I think you 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 landed on it when you talked about designing uh, like races. Um, they gave you really s- decent tools for doing some of that, like some of your own legwork. Um, how much of this do you think like comes down to like a, a really caring about a, a, like the narrative and the other stuff that is in mechanics? I think that it's interesting because on one hand, they're like, if I'm going to be completely frank and, and talk from a, a game design perspective, they're the, the great limitation, the thing that makes this more complex than it needs to be is that it's running off of this dice pool system that they like, right? That's their central mechanic. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing innately wrong with that, but it is a more complicated system. It relies on, at its core, it relies on more math and complexity than, say, a D20 or a D10 system, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Of which there are many. Mm -hmm. And... Like, those are very straightforward sorts of activities. And so when your core mechanic is dead simple, right? Like something like take D&D or, or whatever. When your core mechanic is dead simple, it means that you can build other junk on top of it that you might want without overweighting the game. They have a pretty heavy fundamental mechanic in the way that all the math flows. And what that means is that they had to trim a lot of the rest. Right. Like they had to be pretty lightweight with what other things are doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's OK. Like there's nothing wrong with that. There's a level of abstraction in every game. OK, part of game design is is deciding your level of abstraction mm-hmm. that's appropriate for what you're trying to aim at there. Um, for example, if you're playing a game like this, like like Soulbound or like D&D, I don't need discrete rules for everything to do with how a pistol works. That is to say, I can't, I'm not going to change the barrel, get smokeless powder. Uh, I'm not going to worry about like the gun spinning and jamming because it wasn't perfectly set into place 
I'm not going to worry about individual steps of like draw the gun, cock the gun, pull the trigger, go. Like, but if I was playing a, if I was designing a game that was based completely around like the quick and the dead, mm-hmm. you know, where it's all just shootouts at high noon, mm-hmm. I would have all that detail in there. I jam pack it with every little element of that, right? Sh- Shadowrun actually, like Shadowrun Second Ed had had a lot of that, like. Uh, it's 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 known for being a really dense dice pool game with these individual pluses and minuses throughout every step of the process. Um, like uh, what range you're at, modifying your your weaponry. They got really like nickel and dimey with some of that stuff. Let alone when you got into the Matrix and it was an entirely different system of gameplay. Like oh sure oh yes the, the <laughs> subsystems of the famous subsystems of Shadowrun. Sure, yeah, the famous sub- yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that there's a level of abstraction here that, I, you know, some people are going to find strange in some ways. I saw somebody make a post about it in, like, the Facebook group or whatever, and it's something I had mentioned last night when we were talking that, like, here's an easy example. There are no damage types. Yeah. So, like, it's very much uh, like Warhammer in that way, right? Like, in Warhammer, there aren't damage types in AOS. Uh, and nor are there in this game. There is damage and there's mortal wounds. And this is basically in this, there's damage and there's damage that ignores armor, which are basically mortal wounds. Right. Right. And, you know, you, you can have a fire spell or a lightning spell or a, a spell that unleashes holy thunder. They all just do damage. Right. And some people might find that level of abstraction. Uh, like they don't, they're not as keen to that. I don't mind it in this game. I think it's fine. Um, why is because, that? Oh, here, get to the yeah, sure. Why? Yeah, yeah. Why Why is that? Uh, ultimately, because I think the less you have to worry about that kind of minutia, the more you'll focus on a lot of the narrative stuff. And everything you add to an RPG has a cost. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, if you add fire and lightning and thunder and positive and negative damage and da-da-da-da-da-da and whatever, 50 different types of damage... Then you also have to add appropriate resistances and damage types to all your monsters. You have to add talents that feed them or hinder them or help them. You have to, you know what I mean? You have to start, like, there's a lot of structure that gets built on that. And that's more decisions that need to be taken into account when you're either making your character, building your character, or advancing your character. And it's just not always necessary. Like I said, in D&D, they they do that, but they can do that because, again, the foundation is smaller, simpler. It takes up a sort of less mental work right mm-hmm. um here it just wasn't necessary i think well, well the flip side of that is is the fear of homogeny i think of a game like mutants and masterminds where mm-hmm. it is it is just it is in the stripped down and uh simplified in the opposite direction it is it, it uses essentially the open what was, what was it called the open license for for d20 uh yep, sure. to go around as so so if, for those of you who are familiar with like D D D for a while uh, let you use their system. You just can use. Uh, they still system. do. That is still there is still an open game license. In fact, the original open game license is still valid because the document, when it was made, actually had a clause in it that it could never be invalidated, even by the originator. Which was actually pretty metal. Uh, you know, thinking of like the hack the planet sort of mentality that I have when it comes to uh, ideas are only borrowed; they're never, you know created and so on and so forth like that so so like uh but mutant and masterminds got to the point where like okay if you're sonic speed guy um your punches do 2d6 because that's the most amount of damage a punch can do 
And if you're Lightning Wizard guy, the most amount of damage your Lightning Bolt can do is 2d6. And so it stripped away a lot of that, like, flavor so to the other extreme in kind of a bad direction. Sure. How do you sure. think... You said because Soulbound's mechanics are themselves deeper, it's okay with kind of stripping away some of that? Would that be a good way of summarizing what you're saying about, like, damage type? Absolutely, yes. Because I think you want to keep it focused on the storytelling and on the way people interact and have interesting challenges and stuff like that. You want to keep it moving fast. My perception of this game is that it's meant to be one where you you focus more on the character and the story that they are engaging in rather than getting completely wrapped around the axle on a thousand different permutations of rules. Now, that being said, it's not what I wrote with NGS. There's, as you mentioned, there's still plenty of rules here. As we, we showed last night, and as you see, if you play with the character sheet, you know, and you, you go off archetype and start just using the, the you know, the basic build your own character system that's in the book, um, you know, there is a lot of crazy stuff you can do. Like, you can build a wide permutation of characters <laughs> who have many different capabilities. Well, there's, what is it? 32 archetypes core in the game those are the 23 all the way around 23 i flipped it sorry my dyslexia <laughs> kicking in there um, you're right so like uh you've got the uh the the 23 different archetypes that's a ton of like sort of core built quote-unquote classes to start now they're also a lot more limited than even like say D's, you know eight base eight base classes or whatever like it, it, it but like even with something like D and D, then you're choosing everything down the line. The archetypes are saying make two two choices and play the game. Eighty percent of them, like with an archetype, you're eighty percent built. You build that last twenty percent. Um, yeah. The game allows for you to build all one hundred percent. However. Yep. And I think you should is kind of how I ultimately come down. Uh, if you want to like, I love games and systems and rules. Um, if you want to have, I find character building fun. Uh, Heroes Unlimited. Uh, Palladium, another Palladium Books game. Uh, I don't like playing Heroes Unlimited. I love making characters in, in Heroes Unlimited. <laughs> like it's just because it's such a. That's the most fun part. Yeah, yeah, and and this this has some of that Heroes Unlimited vibe going on, where you're you're picking these talents, mm -hmm. you're finding combos, because everything's kind of open ended, and and you can take the awesome spells kind of to start if you want to dump that direction. You can you can find this cheeky combo. Um, your numbers might get bigger as you progress, but when it gets right down to it, you, you start out being able to pick up the talents that you want. There, there's not a whole lot of, like, prohibitive, like, build stuff, with the exception of, like, certain nope. archetypes have specific talents, that, and that's the only way to get them. Yeah, so here's here was my here was my blurb of how I would sum up this game. This is what I said last night, right? Unbelievable. Thank you so much for that follow there, Somber. This is... Uh... This game is Dice Pool D&D &D, where your goal is to build the Teen Titans in the Mortal Realms. Yeah. And That's what you're doing. And progress towards being the Justice League. And progress toward being the Justice League. That's right. <laughs> right. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's cool. This is, I mean, that's a deviation from, I mean, Cubicle 7 does, as I recall, they do her Dark Heresy and, and um, they do the Warhammer uh, Fantasy RPG, which are kind of, you played the peasant, you know, in in Warhammer RPG. You no, are, you are a hero, like t tried and true, bullet to bone. Yeah, you are a hero in this. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. You you are a hero. They they make a big point of saying like you are a hero, um, like the, like on demigods have tapped you to come do something awesome. Like it's 
It, they, right. they, they, they'd set that tone from the onset, like the first set of introductory, uh, introductory paragraphs are setting up what Soulbound are, why Solid Snake Pliskin is teaming up with, with, um, why Solid Snake is actually like teaming up with Rambo to go kick ass, you know, like they, they do that. It's, uh, so it's pretty cool. I like that angle. I like, I like heroic scope personally. I always sure. have. Agreed. Part of the reason why I like Age of Sigmar is it is mythic. It's kind of over the top. And if ever there was a time for a Warhammer game to like go that that direction, Age of Sigmar was that, and I think that's one of the greatest successes of Soulbound. Is like they they're like, yep, you're 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 big goddamn heroes. This is a big goddamn hero game. Totally tone wise, they absolutely nailed the 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 feeling, the tone I wanted out of an AOS game, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which was yeah, you're not you're not a peasant scrabbling around in a city or something. Like you're you're here here to do some work. Right, and you are a cut above uh, the 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 common person. Certainly, are there things out there in the world that are terrifying even to you? Oh yes, oh yes, many. Right, yeah. uh, the are well, the, the, the is 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 kind of a badass. <laughs> he is kind of a badass, yeah. But like in a fight, a couple blood warriors are certainly gonna you know they're gonna pose a challenge, but they'll go down mm-hmm. to you know the party. But like when the party runs up against a guo or a keeper of secrets or something. Mm. Yeah. That's uh yeah, pre- that's that's a horse of a different color. Yeah, prepare your bowels for imminent release. You're about to get like you're about to get your shit pushed in. Um, yeah, the the greater demons are for real, yo. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Like and I I I mean that's really cool. Uh, I want to go back to something real quick mentioned in in uh chat gang here before we move too far off of it. Um asking about uh uh calling us we're going to be the second best soulbound soul stream. Okay. Um <laughs> All right, uh, that's like your opinion, man. Um, I'm looking forward to the Soul Brown stream already. Yep, um, and uh, then talk of NashCon. And yes, I am willing to sign your Soulbound books uh, at NashCon. I'll set up a table. I will sign right next to my playtester credit. Um, it'll cost you a dollar. <laughs> Seems fair. Seems fair, right? Like legit. Okay. Um, <laughs> It will be. All right. It'll be on YouTube. Yes, it will be on YouTube. Um, so yeah. Um, you you mentioned abstractions. One of the abs- other abstractions, things that I thought well thought they did well was zones. I often I was already I, I often like oh you're close enough you're far enough blah blah blah. Um, I've moved away from my D and D games being on battle maps, and I know people are like what? Like they just think that's the craziest thing ever. It, it, it's. Um, I play with gamers who are experienced enough to where they understand, like, well, if I position here, if I move away next turn, is it going to provoke? You know, like, just saying, st- like, language like that, and they just go, no, it won't. Cool. We're, and just hand-waving that stuff so that we can spend more time on what is happening rather than, like, the mechanics of what is happening. You know? uh, one of my... So, so one of the ways I solve that problem, because I play my D&D games in Theater of the Mind. I play all my RPGs in Theater of the Mind. Uh, one of the ways I solved the problem you just mentioned, real short and sweet in D&D, is uh, we don't use attacks of opportunity because attacks of opportunity are stupid, have always been stupid, and should have never been put into the game in the first place. They make it feel there too much go. like a video game. Like, yep. It, it, they're too I, video game I don't like them. You don't need them. Mm. Uh, that is what I'll say. And I was so happy to see that this game has no such concept. Although they did give you a, fee, uh, a talent, sorry, ironically called opportunist, which is funny. Uh, which gives you the ability to crack people if they try to get away from you, which I was like, all right, that's fine. That's the that's the right way to spin that. 
Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. then you you can opt into this sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. It's actually a little... It is a little curious. This is one of the more puzzling choices, though. Or I, I think that they went abstract now that I've been talking. I've had enough time to, like, read the release product myself and digest my own thoughts and talk to other people. I think that they did have an eye towards going ab like on into abstractions. Mechanically they're one way, but like they I think they had had this this notion of moving towards abstractions with like sort of the the what is going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, zones, damage types, you know, you know, when when you don't have damage codified uh, as a rule like of what damage type it is, you can take liberty. They're telling you to take liberty with description. They're telling right. you to reskin it be cosmetically different you know if i can't tell you a fireball is an ice ball you're gonna go uh well but all these things that resist fire blah blah blah. like in this game it doesn't matter if you're if you're instead of throwing fireballs you're throwing warp lightning because you think it's cooler right like yeah that that changes that's what they're telling you to do but the one the one that does puzzle me just a touch is the the i love zones i freaking love them but i'm like if there was ever a game to be like paint your models and play on a table on a board like on a board on a on a grid, this is the one because you I just feel like Age of Sigmar players want to paint their models and put them on the table and play with them. Well, my favorite thing is that they didn't do that because I hate models in games and <laughs> and it would have been a serious, you know, sort of thorn in my paw. Happily, they do give you the option. Like wait, wait. again, in the in the in the option section at the end of the book, they show like if you want to play on a battle mat and you use real measurements, here's how you do it. Da 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 da. It's very straightforward. Yeah. So so people can play with that setting on if they want. Which is, I do very much value the options chapter they give at the end within the GM section. Right. Stuff right. like that is powerful. Games should be built to be played in the modality that the that that group wants. And fundamentally, you as a game designer should never think that you've hit upon the one true way to play your game. You should always allow for a range of, of perception, interpretation, and application in the in the, the conducting of that game. And they do a good job of that here. It, it, I think there's, and this, this is just part of my, my general belief in games and systems and rules, you have to give people rules for changing the rules. Um, right. Even, like, the Gary Gygax rule zero isn't good enough. Like, telling people you can change it if you want to and, you know, your story and the experience should be sacrosanct isn't enough. Because, face it, our brains tend to work on some sort of logical ABC, like, linear axiom. Like, we need that. And rules lawyers exist. (laughs) So you need to equip GMs and other players with the ability to go, oh, but there's a rule here that says... I can change that rule to this other rule that I like better. I think that's yeah. just... I, yeah. I, rule zero is necessary, but not sufficient. Right. Yes. Yes. Perfectly safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. I'm here for, man. Can we uh, answer a question out of the chat? Because there's yeah. a real good one in here. Absolutely. Uh, Somber Mean said... I hope I'm saying that right. I don't know. Uh, can I ask a question? I've never played any RPG ever, played AOS since the beginning. My question is, as a complete RPG noob... Can I play Soulbound or even GM Soulbound easily enough, or you won't recommend it? Um, yes, I think you could play it. I think that the archetypes that they that they have in here actually makes you uh, very. That makes this game very newbie friendly. I would not recommend running it right away if you if you have zero experience with RPGs. If you've if you've played other RPGs before, then you're good to go to GM. Like if if you've GM'd other games, if you have zero experience, I would say find a group and play first because. You know, there is always the question of like it requires a certain level of both 
understanding of the tropes and functions and activities and really personal interactions of RPGs and how the GM best works with a group. It's not even a question of rules mastery. That's almost secondary. It's really more the processes and uh, ephemera of being a GM well, that I, you don't have. I, I had a, one of my GM, my instant GM moments la uh, last night during our session zero with Chuck where I'm like, oh, uh, you're a Kraith witch elf. Uh, I'm giving you this rule. Like I just instantly gave him like a free talent so that he's quote unquote a Kraith elf now. So at the end of his combat... Mm -hmm. He rolls a d6, and if he gets that six, he can make it another attack. Like, you know, just like, just like, uh, well, I, I use their their system, which is this metal business, but it's still like, to, to just make that call, knowing which rules you should break and which ones you shouldn't, knowing how to adapt to your players, um, I mean, all that stuff, you get a lot better at the, the improvisational skills of GMing and the comfort level of GMing to where... Um, you know, if I get a rule wrong, it's like, I don't give a shit. I just keep, I just keep moving because like, right. we have like new, new GMs are so worried about getting things wrong. And I find that's like the first roadblock to being a good GM is like getting rid of that, that stigma. And then just, playing. yeah, a hundred percent. The the secret to a good GM has almost nothing to do with rules, rules mastery. mastery. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. The best GMs I've ever played under had like the best. So the person I co-host my RPG podcast with is the best GM I've ever played under. I am fully convinced he is among the top 0.001% of GMs that have ever lived. Uh, I've played under a lot of people over the years. I've been playing some form of RPG or another for more than 30 years now. I've never had anybody played under 100 different GMs. Mm -hmm. And I've never had anybody be as good as him. And it's because... of and And... 1% of that comes from his knowledge of the rules. 99% of it comes from the his understanding of the way to interact with characters, to pull stories out of characters, to push on them, to hurt them, to help them, when to hinder, when to when to aid, when to push people together, when to pull people apart, when to create tension, when to when to have a salve to the tension, when to pay attention to the individual, when to let the individual be. Like he's such a present empathetic mind. Mm -hmm. uh that which is really to me the 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 forefront skill of being a masterful game uh, uh gm empathy is, is empathy the, yeah empathy is the key yeah. Um, yeah yeah you have to feel what your players are feeling in very real time while also containing your story in your head and being able to sort of adjust things make sure like simple example I'll just give a very, this is a very simple example, but this, these are the kind of things that make the, that are the difference between good and great. You've got a party. It's got five players. One of the players hasn't gotten to do much tonight for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Maybe the fight their character couldn't really participate in they, for they whatever just, reason. They were just rolling the nat ones on all the sure. CC. You know, they yeah. just got taken out the combat. This happens. Yep, whatever. Maybe the previous sort of skill thing that went on, they had no alignment to, right? Maybe it was like a, a sneaky, heisty thing, and then there was a fight. They're not a sneaker, they're not a heister, and they got, you know, rolled by their dice in the fight. Okay, whatever. So, now you're going to have a, uh, a sort of interaction scene, right, where you're going to have a, a conversation with someone. Having that NPC in your mind, you need whatever you thought that NPC was going to be like, whatever they were demanding, whatever they would have wanted or expected out of the PCs, you need to like on a dime in your head 
change their personality so it aligns to that person, mm-hmm. right? And you need to have them walk up and and almost like pick that person out. Maybe not directly, but in such a way that that person would feel naturally compelled to respond, right? Mm-hmm. And make them the hero of the interaction scene. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of effort in amongst all the other thousand things you're thinking about, right? To not only recognize that that happened, to be have the presence of mind to understand what happened, but then to react accordingly on a dime. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is like um, when you're, you're GMing, uh, getting rid of the notion that you have one solution for each scene, get rid of that. Oh, of course. Like, that, absolutely. Like puzzles, you know, you can reward clever play. Um, but, thousand remember, percent. but remembering tension is really, I mean, tension, storytelling is, this is my writer brain talking now. Stories are, are about conflict. That's that's what a story is. Is it's it's conflict resolution and then subversion. So you mm-hmm. you have scenes. You know what does the character want? What's stopping them from get it getting it? Right. That, every scene. That's all you ask. Right. Um, yep. And conflict is necessary because it gives you the high highs and the low lows. It, it, you can't. You get that that rush of serotonin going. I succeeded because it was hard. If you don't have that tension, and it's just like high fives all the way to the all the way to like the victory lane there's no there's no conflict there's no tension then there isn't that like release of dopamine that says i won i succeeded i did the awesome thing um mm-hmm. you know you that which is too too uh too easily earned is too lightly esteemed or whatever yes right right and so you have knowing how to give the right amount of attention let the players be clever and succeed but also goad them into failure (laughs) you know like uh, sure like having having that balance there you know like um horror themes often work their way into my adventures and my campaigns i shouldn't say horror i should say weird the weird horror and comedy it's a matter of where i put the camera right like um it's where where do i put the focus am i showing the close-up of somebody's face or gore or is it like slapstick out you know the camera zoomed out and they get whacked sure you know how like that's that's the difference um but like they they tend to work in there and they usually um like they're often intense moments or weird moments where like the players have this this stuff and you can see some players get a little bit uncomfortable and you watch them recoil just a little bit and you go okay i've got them right there and that's where i want to keep them and you don't layer on extra like i've got a full page of extra flavor text to really show how messed up this like weird thing is that came from the woods and but like I already have my players here, I don't need to keep reading the rest of that page. So like I've got the amount of tension I want for this scene, and then you and then you and then you and then you move on. That's really difficult to to master as just a person jumping into GM GMing out of nowhere. Or sure. So to swing this back around to Soulbound, yeah. Uh, one of the things that, you know, you mentioned the having multiple solutions to a problem. I completely agree with that. I usually write problems that I don't even know how. Sometimes I oh, write problems in my in my adventures that I just don't know how I would solve. I just assume they're going to get solved somehow. Okay. Sometimes I'll write two or three ways I think I might solve it. But then I say, you know, if the PCs do something else, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think that that's good. And one of the things that's nice about Soulbound in this way is they did give you lots of avenues. The skills are fairly amorphous often. Um, if I was them, I might have done a second pass on the number of skills. They could probably trim a few out of this list. Uh, it's a bit too long. Like This is something I'm really on about. Uh, skills need to be cut to the bone. Uh, they have some that are kind of overlappy for no reason. Ref- uh, where is it? Like, um... 
like athletics and might. Yeah, those don't need to be two separate yeah. things. Yeah, that would be just fine for be the, for those to be one thing. Um, I get what they're going for. It didn't need to actually be different. Athletics, might, re reflexes, dexterity. <laughs> yes, reflexes and dexterity would be another one that doesn't. Why? Yeah, those don't need to be separate. Yes. Uh, Determination, so, devotion. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 All of the all of those have one something like yeah, that. When where they're, they're actually like, they've actually written down synonyms. Like, ah, come on. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So. They just they just don't need to actually have as many skills as they do. That being said, as a and and you know, there's gonna be like uh I, I have minor sort of uh things here or there, but that's true of every game. Please don't mistake it that I think in any way the game is bad. I think it's actually good. I th just think it needed like one more pass, that but was, that's fine. The fourth edition, I panned the shit out of fourth edition as a as as Dungeons and Dragons. It's an important distinction to make. It was RPG, a perfectly fine game that wasn't D&D. Yes, I agree. Right. Um, but one of the best things they did was that was the first time I saw them streamline skills intelligently. Like right. They really, they really brought down, because, you know, around the 3X era, we were getting the, the skill Non-sensory. Yeah. Yeah. Super skill bloat in a game that's already hyper-specialized, where the longer that game goes on, the less likely the person who didn't make it a character focus to be the spot check guy... Uh, would never sure. see anything, you know, like that. that like, yep. Yeah, um, yeah. That that was fourth ed did that, and they have a little bit of the um. You can use this skill or that skill to solve this problem. So that yeah, and that's why I think that's why I think it actually is good, despite the overlapping nature of the skills in some places. And there is, mm -hmm. uh, the advantage is they um, that that oftentimes there's lots of different skills you could apply to any given challenge to to create a solution. So mm -hmm. that's cool. So I, I do want to this this lands me on one thing I want to make uh, mention uh, like piggybacking off of the somber mind uh, question and and your your consequent answer. Um, I keep calling this game a bridge game. I think I, why why do I call it that? What do I mean? Because this isn't like you know a proper noun. Um, if you have played Age of Sigmar or you have played Dungeons and Dragons, I could probably expand that out to a like a RPG of a particular nature. Um, you know like. Vampire, you might find yourself a little less prepared for this. You know, uh, Shadowrun, you might find yourself overprepared. <laughs> but um, uh, so, like, um, if you if you have experience with either or, I think you'll find this game pretty approachable um, because they've made choices that very much seem like Warhammer decisions to me. I think the dice pools is a Warhammer decision. They wanted you to play with D6s because they wanted you to have a grip of D6s you bring over from Age of Sigmar and you throw them down because... Uh, I have a bias against dice pools. Uh, if I ever designed a D, if I ever designed an RPG, it would not be dice pools. I, no. I, I don't particularly care for them. I find them in the end to be homogenous and book extra bookkeeping that just is tend to agree from a mechanical perspective. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, like it's fun to roll fireballs, but like when you roll a fireball, you're only ever just counting upward. You know. You know? Yes. And with I'm also not rolling a fireball to make an attack roll. Right. And that's what you will be doing in this game. Right. Right. Um, but rolling fireballs feels cool. So I understand why people want to roll fireballs to attack with. But like the best part about a fireball is that I go, here's eight die six or, or 15 D six or whatever I, you might build is. And I just go grip of D sixes, throw them down. And I say, you make the save. Mm -hmm. And like there's, that, there's a finality in in a, in rolling a fireball that dice pool systems don't have. 
Rolling a boatload of dice feels awesome, but the finality is a, is a, is a crucial part of that. Um, right. So that's an asterisk. That's a, ca- that's a caveat. That is a me thing. Uh, your mileage may vary, dear viewer or listener. Um, you may love dice pools, but I, I need to get that out. Sometimes when I criticize some stuff, you're going to see, that's a me thing. I, I don't like dice pools. Um, I've played, and yet I've played several systems with them and I, I keep playing them. So, you know, how much do I really not like them? Obviously it's not the hill I die upon. I would die upon <laughs> design. Sure. Um, so I just wanted to, to mention that real quick. Um, and while we're on the subject of solving, uh, problems, uh, I like what you said where like you go into, you go into a thing and you don't even necessarily have a solution for it. Players will, f- yeah. p- players will figure it out. Uh, you mentioned this too, with encounters. Um, you said like, like in, in, in riffs in specific, um, you're like, I'll just throw like, I don't know, this death dragon at somebody. They'll figure it out. Um, what, one of the things going on with this game is that they don't really give you like a CR or a challenge rating system. Um, that's not uncommon. By the way, there are there are many games that don't have like a CR system, um, but this game is a little bit more difficult to gauge. You know how many orcs and goblins can the party fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's hard to because there's not also. I mean, we should we should probably lay down some basics. Like we talked about, obviously the that this is a dice pool. There's skills. There's talents. They help. They let you do special things. They feel like feats in other games or something like that. Yeah, that's all fine. That's basically your character is more or less a combination of those three things, right? And uh, those three elements. And that's what you spend your your XP on, your currency on, whether you're building yourself or whether you're using one of the archetypes. And you mentioned the archetypes. I mean, the archetypes are illusions. They're not real. The archetypes are just, hey, we did 80% of a pre-gen for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you picked the last 20%, right. right? That's all it is. They're They're an illusion. They're a veil pulled over the 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 raw mechanics underneath right uh they're all built using the same math with the exception of the hag queen uh who cheats for some reason and i'm i dig it i'm fine so I, I like quirks like that personally yeah so that's fine she's she's better than everybody else and you just have to like <laughs> right. you know deal with that man by two points but aren't aren't hag queens it like okay intentional or not i this is where i love like the game designer's mind because i know me being as snarky and wry as i am would totally put something in there as a yeah. Joke. Hag queens have always been too good for their points, yeah, so it's fine. It's right on brand, good. right? Right? Yeah. yeah, it's a perfect joke. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, and it's such a minimal difference. Most people wouldn't know. I should state that within like three hours of getting the book, I had calculated the actual XP cost underlying every character archetype and figured out that they were all the same except for the hag queen. Hag queen, right? At any rate, um. And but I think most players will probably access through the archetypes because that's the easy on ramp. And there's no I see zero wrong with that. It's a perfectly reasonable way to go about it. It's fine. You can follow the archetypes. You get to make some decisions, but they're they're not. You know they keep you within they keep you within guardrails. Using the archetypes is bumper bowling, right? Like you're not going to hit a gutter ball. I don't mean that in as negative a fashion as I as as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, the the point is is that like it's valuable. It gives you uh a guide to to operate under and you know again you don't have to but you can mm-hmm. um the 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 from there you know then you break into like your spells and your your miracles or your prayers and all that kind of rest of the stuff that differentiates your character out right uh it is the the level below that 
is going to feel very D&D. What I mean by that is like, well, what are the things I can do in combat? Well, I have a move action and I have an I have a move and an action. And okay, that feels very similar. Maybe if you're familiar with D&D, like okay, I don't have my bonus action, but a lot more stuff is free than would otherwise be in D&D. Like I can move around my zone freely and that doesn't actually count as a move. Mm-hmm. Um if you read the conditions page, it's like, oh, I've seen this before. It's the D&D conditions. If you read the like actions you can take during combat, yeah, that's just that they're going to feel they feel very much like the D&D ones translated over. I'm amazed they didn't have to use the OGL page in here somewhere. Um, the <laughs> that you, It's just the D&D actions translated over to the dice pool system, right? Like, here's what dodge means. Here's what run means. Here's what this means. Da, 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 da. Help, you know, and so on. Dip, dive, duck, dodge, whatever. Uh, or dodge, dip, dive, duck, dodge. dodge. So the... Um, it like that layer will feel very familiar to everybody because it is just the reskin of that into this rule set, right? That's so I just wanted totally, to kind of lay down that broad overview. Yeah, I mean that's not totally uncommon, but like D and D is ubiquitous. It's D and D is pop sure. culture. It's not even nerd now. It's um, if I were to build a first edition of a game for like sort of like maximum penetration of the market, I'm probably going to try to look a lot like the thing that is the the most prevalent in the market, right? Like, yeah, I, I in no way am counting that as a negative. <laughs> Let, let's uh, let's let's just put a pin on that one real sharp. Uh, like, okay, I might. I've become really jaded with Dungeons and Dragons lately, <laughs> but um, you know, like I, like I love it, but like I'm doing that like curmudgeon you kids get off my lawn thing. I've found where like everyone sure. talks about D and D constantly. I'm like, you know, there's other RPGs, assholes, and I just like lose my mind. <laughs> like, but but like not that I don't. Like, cur- not that I, I'm not currently running a D&D game for the fifth year now uh, with this same party. And, like, uh, I uh, have probably run it off and on since college. So, what is that, 16 years of Dungeons & Dragons for me? Like, uh, and then bracket that on either side with how much everything else I've played and run my whole life. So, sure. um, I play a lot of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, so, when I shit on it... Know that it comes from a place of I am I am one of you, but uh, you're you're well you're well amongst it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So I mean, ultimately, the the things that I enjoy in the system are the the elements of uh, how these various things work together. That is to say, I like that you can build the the sort of that superhero we mentioned earlier. Right, you it flight is not out of reach for new characters. Lots yeah. of starting characters will fly around. Lots virtually of starting any characters. KO, virtually any KO. What I what sure. I do find interesting is that a lot of the diversity is hinged to the species, um, which is a little bit of a divergence from from something like Dungeons and Dragons, where like most of the divergence in your build comes from your class. So I find that interesting. Sure. Because well. Like, the species divergent is weak as all get out. It's, like it is like the lightest points. of divergence. Yeah. The weakness is going to, the, the, the weakness, or, or, the weakness is the same as the strength as it is in any system like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is if you're going to play a game, like where you open up the ability to use point buys instead of archetypes. Okay. Which I, by the way, has had the only way I would ever play this game. Like, let's just lay that out there. I would never use one of the archetypes. I don't need that. Thank you very much. I'm fine. That's not a judgment. Use them if you like. If you enjoy them, use them. I don't. Uh, I don't want you to tell me how to build my thing. I have a problem with authority. Uh, 
Well, in D and D, you were telling me about like one of your D and D characters. You're actually playing uh one of the uh the chromatic dudes. Uh, the 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 Modern. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to yeah, play a Modern. Yeah, yeah, a Modern. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're you're playing a Modern. I'm like, and and then Tom's like, oh, that's nothing. He's played an Illithid. He, I'm like, I hope he at least had the redeemed template from the Book of Exalted. Like, you know? nah, nah. No, it's just an Illithid. Straight just, up Illithid. Straight up Illithid. Like this. This is the man that has a problem with authority and can't play out the book on anything. Just cracking skulls and sucking brains, baby. Just drinking milkshakes all day long. Dude, Illithid- Drink them up. 3.0 Illithid monks were fucking terrifying. Like, I don't remember. I think I played him during fourth edition, to be completely honest. Uh, but it was it was a fun game. Yeah, I mean, I we played an Ebron game where everybody was, you know, exactly what you would imagine out of Ebron characters, like representatives of the five nations and blahzy blahzy blah. And I was a knoll from Droam. You know, that's the kind of it's the kind of thing I I end up always playing. I like to be the weird one. Right, uh, you, you got to be the snowflake amongst snowflakes. Like you must absolutely be. <laughs> often, not always, but often. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we did. You know, it's just I, I like, I like being weird and strange and, and my own little special snowflake. Yes, absolutely. That doesn't necessarily mean good or powerful. It just means a weird little special well, snowflake. Yeah, you want to be different. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I always like game breaking. <laughs> one of my earliest songs I remember liking. I had it on a cassette tape, and I would listen to it on my little boombox when it was young. And that was it. Was "You Can Go Your Own Way" by uh, you know Stevie Nicks, and uh, and Fleetwood I Mac, would listen yeah. to that. What's that? Fleetwood Mac, yeah. Yes, and Fleetwood Mac, yeah, exactly. And I would I would just listen to it over and over again. I love that song. Must have just drilled into my head. Anyway. The, the strength is the weakness because you can build anything out. If you can find, there are a couple avenues of mechanical efficiency within this game. Mm-hmm. Okay. That I've already sort of like flushed out. And so it's like, well, what you, the, the strength is the weakness. If you start going into point by, you have to trust characters, players, I should say, I'm sorry, to make their characters what they should be, to make them feel like the thing. Mm-hmm. And not have every character be seventy to eighty percent the same character because they're taking the optimal skill uh, skill talent builds every. This is the problem I have every with time. Some, some of the early like uh, VTM games where like you know what the best character looks like. Uh, they started to call them what uh, Kane Bros. Uh, yeah, so it, it, that seventy percent of every character looks the same because you're just kind of like a combat monkey. Um, yep. But like. In a game that's not built for combat, you're like you're supposed to be social, and so you're like you're this combat monkey in a game. Yeah, that ends up happening with point buy. That's that's why I tend to not like point buy. I usually make people roll stats because I just want to see them be different. I want to see you. Uh, I, we see that with initiative. We had this discussion over initiative. Um, I don't like static values in games. Agreed. Like, Agreed. I, I I don't like static values um, because it just ends up. It just leads to gaming. It just ends up to gaming, um, to to gaming that system when it's a static value it, because the yep. the linear it becomes a linear path to the most ideal outcome. I don't I don't like that personally. Um, some people love it. Like you look at um, you know Adventurers League where you know that this is the ranger and what the ranger should look like, and so if you have a ranger going around in Adventurers League in D anD D, you you can rely on that ranger not being. Oh, I'm gonna be like, a, I'm gonna have a pet badger, and uh, I'm gonna, you know, and they go off script and they do weird crap, and you're like, dude, we have to fight stuff at a CR value every 
way up and now you're like yeah i exactly i i i'm totally with you i hate that stuff i think when you're playing with mature players it's not an issue like you know the the game we're getting together that we're going to stream i have no concerns because all of us were making choices based on the character we want to play oh the the discussion before even session zero was like hey i've got five character ideas this is what i think is going to go in there um it was almost like we had to wait for that first person to play their character, like to be, to commit to a character, to plant a flag, and then yeah. the dominoes fall. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and of course, Chuck is going to play Witch Elf, and Chuck did. So Chuck went with the um the straightforward like Witch Elf archetype, and everybody else yeah. now is building a character. And I'm curious to see how that archetype sort of like stacks up next to the rest of the party um, from a balanced stance. And I think it'll be fine. But as a GM, yeah. I, I'll just be like, oh, yeah, here, you, this thing works different. If if I find that the gulf between him and the party is too much for my tolerance zone. like Yeah, I'm not worried because I'm not going to be in a, 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 a great character. I'll just be hiding in the back. Um, <laughs> As a Skaven, go on. <laughs> yes, I, I will be leading from the rear, dutifully healing my companions. Uh, Wait, so we can do it. Plot yeah, to plot a twist. Skaven that heals. <laughs> That's right. We can get into that little fun story later if you right. want to. We want if you want to bust into that at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think we might get go down that path. But yeah, so so you were talking about the strength is a weakness. Uh, yeah, because they can stand up the same. I agree with you. Dynamic values. Like my number one optional rule in this game, okay, is uh, my number one optional rule is use variable initiative. It's in the back of the book in chapter twelve. Because right now, oh look at that! Look at W. Soren just being an absolute. Yeah, he's popping off. Five Soren days. just being at the man as always. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for those gift subs there. Um, Trunzo receiving the gift subs, so now you can spam the chat gang emote. Welcome to chat gang, everybody. There you go. So um, the uh, the thing that I think uh, so like initiative as it works in this game sort of by book is you have an initiative value and that's when you go. They even recommend that like, you might want to sit at the table, you know, left to right in your initiative order. And I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. In D and we re-roll initiative every round. Okay. Because I don't ever want it to be that a person goes, well, I don't have to worry about my friend who's lying on the ground bleeding to death. Because the healer gets to go before the monster. We know that. We already know the initiative order. It's round three. Who cares? We'll just leave him there to bleed. Well, and then, and I can go do whatever the heck I want. And I know the cleric will tend to him next round. That's fine. No, I want there to be tension of like, oh crap, they're bleeding out. And the monster might go again and just ice them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's, that's a, that is a thing that exists. So like having dynamic initiative is really important to me. That is my number one optional rule. Uh, so I'm glad they put it in there. So great, and again, fantastic optional rules section. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, well, the d- dynamic initiative is—I mean, we're avoiding static values, right? That's what we're doing here. But this goes into the storytelling aspect of tension. Yes, static initiative robs tension, robs combat of some tension. I don't—I think that's the worst place to remove tension uh, because combat. The beauty of D and D, the beauty of RPGs, and in general, is that you can substitute an encounter for tension. If you're not the deftest storyteller in the world that plays with people's emotions via the caliber of your word, you know, and cadence of your diction. If you're not that, you, you're not a sorcerer of, 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 of the gab. You can substitute in combat, a trap, uh, you know, an encounter for tension. 
I mean, that's that's perfectly fine to do. If you're not, like, trying to make it some Kingmaker plot Game of thrones and all the tension comes from social interactions and stuff like that. Right, right, right. You can just go, oh, and then the dragon attacks. Boom. Instant tension. Um, sure. Knowledge is power. Is it? Take him. Kill him. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, little finger. Power is power. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. Right. It's like one of my favorite scenes in the history of that show. That's uh, <laughs> the uh, yes, I think that this game actually does tension pretty well. Obviously, I have yet to see the combat play out through the dice, but I feel like I'm pretty good at interpreting how systems work at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what I can tell you've had some play experience. So you tell me if I'm off the mark here. But from my perception, things like combat and the resolution of sort of checks is honestly pretty fast and brutal and effective like combat hits hard you feel it it's resolved fairly quickly uh you know sort of opposed checks get resolved the whatever happens happens and you move on to the next challenge right uh which are things that i enjoy like i that's what i like in my game as far as my feeling goes one thing that they i found that that um i found that combat and encounters are are quick um Mm -hmm. I like that anyway. I often goad my my gamers towards optimizing for combat anyway because the way I see it is combat's just a natural. It's gonna happen. It should happen. It's a game. It's it's an RPG. You're playing these. You're gonna fight stuff. You're gonna get into fisticuffs. Um, you're playing a game based on a game where the only mechanic is fight and um, you're sure, gonna sure. fight. Um, but fighting should should be dynamic and quick. It should be. You know, it should be Ongbok. It should be, like, these dynamic, quick, like, interesting scenes that build tension. And if you're a really good GM, you can build a parallel between the combat and the story. So you can have a combat encounter that essentially foreshadows storytelling elements based on what they fight, where they fight it, some details you you mentioned in the flavor text of combat. But, like, combat shouldn't linger. Tension should never, like, like, uh, combat as tension should never linger because it's already a cheap hit for tension. So you don't want that to be the, yeah, yeah. the, the note you hold. So combat in this game specifically is pretty brutal. It goes pretty quick. Uh, things don't have like hundreds of hit points. You usually have like no. sort of a, a resilience. You have, you have SDC and HP perfect way of describing it, Vince. Um, yeah. The old, the old riffs thing applies here. Yes. Yeah. Your toughness yeah. and your wounds are just SDC and HP. Yeah. Yeah. So, so toughness, you know, toughness is essentially like, uh, the best way to describe SDC for people who haven't played Rifts is like the structural damage capacity. Chairs have SDC, they do not have hit points. You punch a chair, and then when the SDC is depleted, the chair breaks. So that would be the toughness of a thing. The, uh, d- uh, put that in human context, you know, this is the huge dude gets punched in the face and he just kind of turns his head and he just like doesn't doesn't seem to phase him because you have yeah bruises, minor cuts, getting yeah. knocked around, things you can generally recover from, yeah. right? Yeah. And then wounds are you're bleeding like right you got hit but, or or it's a real like you got a real cut it's not just that you're bleeding like yeah you got your skin and you know something deeper sliced open yeah like right like you've got internal wounds like you're hemorrhaging you're right this is a problem um so so that's what what sdc and hit points is in in riffs and 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 uh palladium book systems that's what that's what uh toughness and wounds is here um but the thing is is like you're not dealing with massive pools they 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 cap stats at I believe it's eight in this game. Eight, uh, yep, exactly. Yeah. So, stats cap at eight, skills cap at skills cap at three, and yeah, that's more or less it. So like, there's very readily 
sort of available math maximums that are there. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to, your characters are going to cap out at a certain pool of resilience in this game. Uh, now there is armor to mitigate and, uh, you know, obviously you have various defenses for like making yourself harder to hit, get hit. But at the end of the day, when you get hit, uh, and that goes for most enemies too, they tend to go down or be just a couple hits from going down. Um, right. Exceptions being things like greater demons, where they just break the rules of how of 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 like the caps. Uh, there are very yeah maw crushes and other big monsters. Yeah, like big that. monsters yeah, break yeah. those caps, but like they should. That's awesome. Dragons shouldn't be at like the peak of human you know condition. Like they right. should be well. Right, blown. right. So, so, but the combat is lethal. It goes quick. It's pr- it's pretty cool. Um, you find yourself like killing puds is a very real part of this game. You're gonna just be like popping night haunt ghosts. And then move oh, on sure. to the next thing and like Sure, I mean, let's let's give let's give a real simple example. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Karak Acolytes. We know them, we love them, right? We all know Karak Acolytes. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Karak Acolytes have one toughness and no wounds. Yeah. Right? Like <laughs> there you go. If they take damage, they're going down. Like that's that's it. You they're they're meant to be sort of, you know, they're they're meant to be swarm type things. Same with by the way, with like grots and clan rats and and all the things like that right there's there's plenty of the the sort of regular monsters like that that are just they're more or less going to get harvested like wheat by a lot of players <laughs> but in numbers they get scary right 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 um and uh yeah it's i mean i i like it though i i like the combat it's punchy it's quick it's dynamic and uh the only thing that i had a problem with was essentially the initiative well not the only thing but the initiative and then they fix that with an optional rule so um yeah, um, we we kind of like jumped right into the RPG, but do we want to walk it back real quick and describe Soulbound and like how people are going to approach? Oh, like what? Why is this game called Soulbound, for example? Yeah, like why is this game called Soulbound? Because they actually start with that before uh, before you get the most essential rules, which is vehicles. Before you get the combat. <laughs> but, mm-hmm. yeah. This uh, game has a bit of a layout problem. I'll be straight up. Let's just talk about that real quick, and we'll get into this little thing. All right, right. It is laid out in a suboptimal fashion. You first learn how to make an attack roll on page 141. You've already learned the rules for vehicles. This is problematic. Now, <laughs> that being said, okay, I like, like I would have laid this book out very differently. That being said, I will give them superb amounts of credit. Because they're sidebar references. Yes. Like, uh, running down the side of the page, when you read a you thing, they'll see. bold a term. And if you look over, there's a reference to it of, like, see page one, whatever, okay? Page 40. You can see it right here. I've got my my, my PDF up Yeah, here. yeah. Um, yep. Which, real quick, if you buy the... If you pre-order the book, they give you, like, seven download copies for your PDF. Like, that's awesome. That is... Yep. We're living in the future levels of, like, convenience for RPGs. So... Mm-hmm. So like, but yeah, the sidebars are great. The, they're the, the blue they text. are so good. They'll that blue put, text. They'll even put flavor and definitions over there. Like it's really mm-hmm. cool. It's really they, cool. They did a super duper great job. This is something I bang on about all the time. I've talked about this with Warhammer books. Like just, I mean, so Path many times. Path of Glory? Eh? Eh? Right, sure. <laughs> just, and, and just the, the, like, you knew you were creating a question and you didn't bother to answer it. Yeah. Right. Like I've talked about this so many times with Warhammer books. 
they did a great job here. This is one of the best like sidebar cross-referencing things I've ever seen in an RPG. So A plus on that. Solid C minus on the overall layout. Um, I, I'm going to throw one more A plus in there. The art is phenomenal. It I, is. The, the art is really good. Also, the notch. examples. Like in line, they'll say, this is how you do a thing. And then they'll give an example in italicized text. The examples are clear, straightforward, and and do make very real the thing they, they just don't told you. create more questions which is i've seen those types of examples and things where you're like your example was still a gray area what the you know like <laughs> right 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 uh with everything except dual wielding which i had to read seven times and still wasn't completely sure how it works uh there's don't worry, there's, don't worry uh that's that that was my realm uh, that's my fault <laughs> <laughs> Once again, blame Mr. Mephisto. Yeah, yeah, that was me. No, I, I dual wielded pretty extensively. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, it's just the, the nature of how their explanation falls there. But again, to pick one thing out of uh, probably 200 different explanatory texts, all of which are superlative, you know, that's a minor. That's a, Again, all these are minor, minor niggles. But yeah, um, but yeah the, the layout is... Uh, and that's... Yeah. We've, made, we've actually been joking about it a couple times here. They've been inside joke status. Now you're yeah. inside the joke to understand when we make fun of like vehicle piloting being before combat and yeah, like it's, it's, finding the drowning rules is a particularly it, interesting yeah, thing. Yeah, was wait was that in the rules section? You know the section called rules. No, it wasn't in the rules section. So <laughs> it is elsewhere. Um. <laughs> yeah. So it's but let's go. Let's talk about Soulbound. Yes. Like, why is this called Soulbound? Right. Okay. So there is a classic framing device. Uh, a social contract that has always underlaid the nature of team-based RPGs that all the players are going to get together and you're all acting towards some kind of common goal. And you shouldn't generally be screwing each other over or being, you know, like especially antagonistic with each other. That's not to say there can't be tension. Please don't misunderstand me. All the best games I've played, there's been some kind of tension most of the ensemble movies and shows that i like there are tension between the characters oh malcolm right? reynolds and and jane cobb the the tension between those characters him and anara like that whole cast yep. on fire Fly. all of them yeah again yes the only yes one who doesn't possess tension with malcolm reynolds for the payoff but it's there for the payoff scene is uh is uh his second in command i'm sorry why am i blanking on her name sure um God damn it, I can't remember. Wash is... Oh my gosh. It's Wash and... Ah, I can't remember. But yeah, that, that whole thing... I, I can only think of her as Jessica from Suits, but yes, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, man. Man. All right, anyway, uh, yeah. It's yeah. fine. So, at any rate, that's always been the underlying social contract. Soulbound codifies that into an actual game rule. So, the concept here is all of your party that aren't Stormcast... Somewhere off camera, before the game begins, you got together and you literally bound your souls to one another. And you all decided this was good, that Zoe. you were going to... It's, it's Zoe. Thanks. Zoe, there you go. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that you were going to get together for the greater benefit of the realms, right? And uh, what that means is that you all, you've tied your fates together you've entwined them right if if i continue but if i may what i like about sure i, I like the soulbound i can see a criticism being like we've always played with the social contract why do you have to make it a rule that i don't kill my party and i pay attention to the gm <laughs> and like do the story 
Um, well, if you don't play with adults, which if you ever go to Reddit or Facebook or any of these groups, you find out that many people don't. The nature of RPGs has changed. It's pop culture now. I will continue to hammer this home. Like, we are seeing a diverser pool of people playing games than ever before. It's not just you and your high school buddies play a game anymore. You go to Gen Con, you play a pickup game. Like, you go on the internet on Roll20 and you see who's running a game that works with your adult schedule because it's hard to get games together as an adult. Um, right. Or you have people that you know and are, like, your best friends in reality but when they play a game, they play it for different reasons than you. And you butt heads constantly. We, like, I haven't had one, uh, Chuck, uh, one of my friends, Chuck Dave, nicknamed from college, uh, one of the nicest, kindest, gentlest giants you will ever meet. Works in social work. Just a pure darling. A total teddy bear of a person. Complete murder hobo. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like 100% murder hobo. And if you don't want, if you're not on board for the murder hobo campaign, you're going to butt heads playing a game with him. And, right. and, and, and so like, I, again, that exists within closed circles, let alone we have this influx of pop culture of, of gaming, stranger things and, and, uh, you know, role, uh, critical role have, how they're huge, you know, right. and more people are having, taking it, taking an interest in RPGs especially like I mentioned this bridge game before how many people have shown interest from age of Sigmar. This is why we're doing this episode. Uh, never played an RPG before. And now right. they want to because Soulbound's out like giving them that, that way to codify the social contract. If you're not familiar or if you are familiar, but you're gun, you're worried about having like the grognard ruin your game or whatever. I like it. And I like that they, they attach it to the rules and I'm going to go one, one step further and say, I like that it pays homage essentially to Stormcast Eternals. It says, "Oh, Soulbound had been around since the Age of Myth," like, and it kind of does this storytelling thing where it says, "Maybe this Soulbound mystery, this this thing that I can explore as a GM as players, kind of have something to do with how Soul how how Stormcast Eternals came to be. Stormcast Eternals can't be Soulbound because they're already Soulbound to to, to Sigmar." Sigmar. And your mind just like kind of begins to like explode with like the narrative implications of that. I like it. Um, yes, I'm an experienced GM. I will get my parties to work together whether they want to or not. And if they don't, I'll change the entire dynamics of the campaign to be different. I had a, a party that uh, one guy, che uh, uh, two, uh, two friends, one guy was the object of being cheated on and the other guy was the person with whom his girlfriend cheated. Uh, oh boy. We were in the middle of a two-year-long game. In Smack in the middle. The party dynamics changed. So what did I do? I paused that persistent campaign and I played through every single game that we had either we had picked up over the time or when a new book comes out, you make a character, but you just played a couple sessions, all that kind of ancillary extra, you know, fad RPGing that happens. And we played through and we just did character brawls for just six months. And then when they were tired of killing each other's characters, I picked up the game again. <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they killed off every single character that each other had. So it was just like them and then like the rest of the game. And we just did essentially uh, Atlantis campaigns. Uh, so it was just Atlantis for just over and over and over again until we could go back to our, our core game. So I, I, I derailed this discussion, but Soulbound, I love, I like Soulbound. Um, I understand the criticism that 
I don't need the game to make a rule for it because I'm a good GM and I will figure it out. Well, yeah, it's a it so it codifies that mechanic and ties your souls together, and this has a and and so it's it's sort of this very like it's taking a heavy hand on the the group sort of synergy, right? Uh, but at the same time, it also gives you a benefit in that you then have the soul binding, which is this extra resource pool you can draw off of to do even more amazing things, right? Uh, and so the uh, the advantage is that it gives you a, a framing device, gives you a reason to say, okay, everybody play nice. And in reward for that, if you do, here's this extra thing that's going to make you feel even more like big damn heroes and have an even better time in the game and will make you feel like you're accomplishing things narratively. Like, because what it's doing is effectively, and it's getting refunded and stuff by you winning, by you bringing light to the world and doing great tasks and, and that sort of thing, right? When that activity is happening, when you're being the beacon of hope in the mortal realms, that's feeding your, your soul binding. Right. And so I think that's a cool mechanic now. Now, I don't know if I wanted it automatically, but I'm better with it now than when I started, because what I will say is yet again, if we look back in our old friend, chapter 12 in the optional game systems, why, what do we have, but other options. And it's like, if you want to play without soul binding, super cool. Here's how you do that. Don't use soul binding. <laughs> end of <laughs> end of optional rules. Right. Right. Uh, you don't. Your party's not soul bound. They're just aligned, and you don't have that resource to draw on. Great. Okay. Cool. Cool beans. Uh, you can. Uh, they talk about yeah, like this is a, this is a great. You can. They talk about setting it in different ages. They talk about how to make group tests, uh, and they talk about ways to make the the game also harder. By the way, group tests. So. Okay. No, I was just gonna say. Obviously, the setting is very much big damn heroes doing big damn heroic things, right? It's 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 and, Hercules. It's Hercules with Kevin Sorbo. Like you're, yeah, just, man. I mean, the world is kind of fucked and bad, but like you are Hercules going through the world that is fucked and bad. Like it's sure, it's it's awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I I that is it is exactly the way the place I like to play games. I swear, this is like. This is why I am also a fan of Rifts, and this is how I tend to play D&D. Uh, so, you know, that's, yep. Um, the, the But they do have lots of settings that you can ratchet things down. Like, here's how you play if you want to play Grim Gritty. You know, you're in a single city. You're all a bunch of peasants and tavern dwellers and, and you, city guards and stuff like that. You want that, that Pantaloons right? play style. If you want that Pantaloons play style, they give you that setting. If you want magic to be harder here's a setting for that if you want you know and so on and so forth so there's there's a lot to explore to get the to get the game feeling how you want it to feel because the mortal realms is vast and to paraphrase whitman does contain multitudes right mm -hmm. and uh they let you sort of structure the game you want which is good yeah I, I do like that they come in they come in high and then tell you to round down though. I like that they come in at that yes. high note. I want you to set that bar high. I feel like it would it would have been a mistake to do it the other way around and say optional rules make it huger. Like that feels mm -hmm. that would have been the wrong approach. I so I like this approach. Um, real quick about like group tests. This is an uh, 
uh, optional rule. This is actually a rule. Uh, it's not. I don't know why it's in the GM section rather than just the section. This is this is like continuing to hammer home. One, it does the coolest thing I liked from from fourth edition, which was uh, what were they called? Um, skill challenges. Skill, skill challenges. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. I still use them in fifth ed. I use skill challenges. Um, I like skill challenges because you can like narrate them. You know, like if 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 we have to like defuse the bomb as a party, you like. Okay, like, well, I'm going to, like, roll, you know, I give them my list of skills, and then I throw in, like, diplomacy. And they're like, well, why is diplomacy in there? I'm like, why is diplomacy in there? And then, like, they they go into the, okay, so I'm going to diplomacy, I'm going to use diplomacy to, like, keep everyone calm in the room while we defuse the bomb. Oh, okay, what do you say to them? Roll the dice. Like, I love that, where you're, 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 some of the greatest successes of gaming is when the rules and the narrative line up, where, where, like, your your basically your game mechanic is mirroring the story is mirroring the gameplay and like it's just you have this like this resonance that occurs back and forth this happens in video games too um heavy rain has a scene where like you have to chop off your own goddamn fingers and like it's the way you have to hold the controller to do this is like i'm contorting and chopping off my own goddamn fingers i'm like whoever designed this segment of this game is a genius um, so like when that you have those moments, so I like, I like group tests. I like that they're hammering home this, like the party must rock the hell out together. And we play games together for a reason. Y- there's opportunities, by the way, to be the greedy KO who steals from the party. If you really want to be the third ed, second ed rogue, um, or thief rather for a second ed, right? Uh, if you really, really want that gameplay style, there's ways they also talk about like alternate reasons why you might soul bind and things like that to add some sure. dynamicism. Um, but I, I like that the, the rules continue to reinforce this like collect this this cooperative experience. And I think one of the reasons they may do that is because you're coming from Age of Sigmar, which is competitive. It's the win con is for one player, not both. Um, right. And so if you are the person who's never played an RPG before and you come over to to an RPG for the first time, you might still be in, in like I got I have a win. Con- I need to win the game mode. And then they're putting a lot of this effort into saying, play the game together, everybody. That's how we have the most fun. And I'm going to ha- uh, hazard GMs do on purpose put in that party tension. Like, work for it. It's some. It's going to enhance your games. Um, you know, it, that, that end of soapbox. <laughs> um, so I just want no, to right on. sidebar on group tests. Uh, so we're talking about soul binding, optional rules, dialing it down. Um, after they, they go into Soulbind, and the game pretty much starts with talking about Soulbound in the background of the world, which is, is pretty sweet. Um, then they go into, like, the building your characters, which is a logical step. Like, hey, how do I build my characters? Um, that's the, every character is, uh, is X amount of points. Soulcasters are a little bit more, or sorry, Soul, uh, uh, Stormcast Eternals are a little bit more, um, for their point build, and then you just go from there. Um, um, yeah, I think that like the things that are that are the weaknesses right now are stuff that obviously as a result of having only one book to publish, right? Like there's not enough monsters, there's not enough magic items, that kind of crap. No big deal. Who cares? That's stuff that you can easily put out in supplements fast. You know, like there's just you can't fit. This is a big book. It had a lot to introduce. It's doing a lot of work. It gives you enough information that, like, I would feel perfectly fine building my own monsters. Like, I don't feel like that would be a difficult thing for me to do. I would be perfectly fine 
building my own magic items from the magic item creation rules that they sort of generically have in there, right? That you can yeah. do as an endeavor. We could talk about endeavors a little bit if you want, because I, I do like that. Um, well, I, I also like that that um from the magic item building thing before we talk about endeavors. Um, you have played Age of Sigmar, and you have an understanding. I'm going to say that you have. I'm going to assume that you have because you're watching Rantcast. Um, you you have played Age of Sigmar. You have an understanding of like what artifacts exist in the world. Like, yep. And with a competent GM and like going to build a magic, like I want to build an ethereal amulet. Like, okay, cool. What's that look like? You know, like, and then kind of parsing through how you make some of these items from the game real. I want a sword of Japan. I want a katana that murders and does mortal wounds. What does that look like? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's so easy. Once you, once you sort of have the basic mechanics down, there's not really anything difficult about making those magic items, right? Like, the Sword of Japan would be sixes, like, right? yeah, we, we exactly like when you roll sixes in, on your melee uh, test out of your pool. Uh, every Fuck six, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Every six to hit ignores armor and does an additional damage. Mm -hmm. Ta da! There you go. Like you that's going to be super deadly, by the way. Yeah. Um, and there you go. That's your sort of judgment. Your ethereal amulet. Uh, your armor cannot be uh you know rendered or negated for uh um uh you know rendered or reduced for any reason it can be completely negated by Ar magic there you armor go armor cracking by the way is in this game which is a sweet mechanic which i love yeah there's a there's a lot of armor cracking going on yeah if you if you mm, yes there is a fair amount of armor cracking going on i i don't it it I could easily see whole parties not having it and not running into monsters that do it. And I could see whole parties all being armor crackers and only running into armor cracking enemies. Yeah. Like it's one of those things that it's, it's there, but it's not like ever present, right? It's not yeah. built into the core mechanics. It's built into some specialized trees that people may follow. So. Right, 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 right. Um, but yes, it's definitely a thing. I, as I mentioned, like flight, I love flight in games. I, every wizard I've ever played and I played a lot of wizards in second edition and, and onward, but every wizard I played in second edition that, that hit fifth level and got the flight spell was able to scribe it into their spell book and then memorize it and cast it. I would just go fly for the full maximum of time, 50 minutes. That was the first thing I would do with the character. Because if you could fly, you would. It would be amazing. Amazing. <laughs> I love how obsessed you are with flying because this isn't just like in this episode. This came up multiple times throughout like the our chat for our group. Yeah. <laughs> like on Facebook chats like... Everyone can fly. And, like, I it, I feel like it's the most not-a-robot <laughs> I've ever seen Vince Venturella. We're just like, you can fly. Like, and I see your eyes light up and, like, almost this childish glee when <laughs> you think about, like, your characters flying and stuff. A hundred percent, because it is awesome. You know, one of the Skaven characters that I didn't end up playing in the game because of the group composition was my, uh, you know, my, my, uh, my Warlock Engineer, right? My Arch Warlock who was going to have flight through his his power armor. And, uh, you know, that's like, just knowing that that character's there and that was relatively easy to accomplish uh, made me very excited. Uh, so it's fine. I, I see that uh, Kicker just asked, will the Skaven fly? That one would have. The one I actually have here does not. The, the Skaven I'm going to play does not fly. At least not for right now. Who knows what the future holds? Yeah, well, well like, uh, I, I just, uh, I'm going to tease folks because um, uh, Friday night, uh, next week we'll we'll go live on Twitch here with with session one of uh, of the the this this game, 
I think I'm, uh, the first adventure is called The Big Come Down, but I haven't come up with a, uh, like a campaign name yet. Uh, you, uh, to tease it, his Skaven's, uh, concept name is Touched by Sigmar. Correct. Correct. <laughs> and we already met, mentioned the healing, so mm-hmm. I want your, I want you to salivate with the possibilities of what Vince's character might be. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm very excited for him. He was uh he was fun and I just I sent uh I made Meph delay the stream by like three minutes because I was in the zone writing the uh the story for him. Yeah. So, uh, so I got his background done and again sent that over to you. I went old school meth on this one. Uh I used to do a thing when I was a you know, we're talking like middle school, high school GM. If you wrote me a thousand word backstory for your character, I'd give you bonus XP. Uh, if it was D and would usually just give you a bonus feat. So everyone did it, obviously, because the feat's the most powerful thing you can give anybody. In this, I gave two experience points for a thousand word backstory. Uh, everyone's like instantly like done. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent there. Like I was gonna. The, the tricky part here is I was gonna write you a backstory anyways, knowing that there was experience on the line. I knocked that thing out today, homie. Well, and let's is... ju- and, and to be fair, I wrote fifteen hundred words. I would just like to point that out. Okay, so so if there's like an exchange rate on backstory to words, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you want to go down that road. I'll, no, I'll write you. No. I'll write you a hundred thousand words. No, I'll start. No. I'll walk in there and just punch <laughs> punch Nagash in the face and shatter his skull. In, in the back, your backstory, like so. This is. I was actually the Skaven who disrupted the uh, the uh, his ritual and caused the Necroquake. That's right. <laughs> like, I got infused with all the power of Chaos and Nagash, and now I'm on a hunt. I will find the Death God. <laughs> uh, no, see, for me, that was like one of those... I, I've been living in a realm of nostalgia, like, personally, a little bit lately, so I guess we're on a rabbit hole here. If you're playing the, the rant cast drinking game, you have to drink during the the, the rabbit holes. I was on a, a little bit of a, like a nostalgia trip, and uh, the giving experienced adults who will I, I had faith to have RP agendas and all those things that you want from a, like a mature, experienced group, where like they're going to play the game. I, I came up with the back, writing a backstory for XP to trick my players into GM, in, into being easier to GM giving me arcs to, to explore adventures hooks, like and getting them to like ever think about RP because, you know, I did run like many, like many, uh, forever GMs. <laughs> I had like my fair share of murder hobos growing up where it's just like the, and I wanted to tell the deeper story. And, um, one of the greatest, one of the best RPers I've ever had the privilege of, 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 teaching a game and then watching him become an adult and go out into the world to now be a GM himself was the least likely to love RPGs you would expect, you know, like popular jock guy, uh, you know, joined the, joined the military. Like you wouldn't, like he goes against the stereotype of nerds, which is what I've learned now as an adult is like, by the way, we're different. We're just like you. We're nerds. We're, we, we live amongst you. Um, but he was like, he was the one who got the most into RP. Uh, he played a changeling uh, in PFRPG, which is uh, changeling. People have an understanding what a changeling is, so he played a changeling. He really got into like this, this, this ostracized, marginalized, like villain, like un- unwilling villain thing, and he just wanted to like no one to find out that he's a changeling. And to to, to do that, and it all started because I did this. Write me a backstory for your character, and then get, trying to get people to like think about it. But you got to incentivize it, or players won't do it. 
Um, <laughs> and then, of course, I brought it back because of my nostalgia. I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let's do this. Let's let's go old school. Write me a backstory. <laughs> yeah. The no, absolutely. And I, I mean, I always. So you mentioned NGS earlier. So let me talk about the, the thing I'm most proud of out of that game and something that we use, like we import into every game we run now. So we have both a, a solo and collaborative character creation method in NGS. Okay. And the solo method consists of uh, basically three elements. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the you start by writing five big events. Everybody's life is usually defined by five big events. That's my that's my combined theory of the universe. Okay? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so you start by defining the five big events that shaped who you are. Uh, and then you do a hundred words on where you are right now as of today. So and this, go ahead. How much how much experience do you have with like actual like writing? writer theory and like being a writer and the rules of writing and all that like strunk and white and 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 uh analysis i mean i've written a lot of things but shockingly little to be honest because you've just described um like essential steps for like like plot webs and and things like that that you do in writing you come with your character backstory you've just codified that for a game sure i don't know if you did that intentionally but no no i had no idea no it was just it just seemed like the right thing because when you look back on your life there are probably five moments in it that defined mostly who you are today because you're you know whatever it happened to be most of us have this your parents got divorced you moved to a different city you had somebody in your life tragically die you you know got real sick and were in the hospital for a long time you whatever 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 right not all of it needs to be tragic some of it can be really happy you know, you went and had this beautiful family vacation and your entire extended family got together for a week at some some resort or something, whatever it was. And, and it made you value your family and you had a great time and you made lifelong and you've stuck to those your family ever since. It can be good. It can be bad. It can be anything. But it's a big event that has shaped who you are to this day. And uh, so that's the one. And then you write 100 words about where you are today because where you are today in the present is the least important of everything because that's going to change very fast. And then you define two short-term and two long-term goals, which is ironic because that's the same thing you define in this game, although for slightly different reasons, which we can touch on in a second. Yeah, yeah. Um... That's, the, that's the solo method. The collaborative method, which is what we use as often as we can, it's quite different. Here's how the collaborative method works, Math. Let's see how you like this, okay? Okay. You write a hundred words about who your character is, and you are capped. You may write no more than one hundred words. Just not a lot of words. Okay. I accidentally and then, I accidentally write a hundred words in a tweet. Like yeah, sure. <laughs> like you must within a hundred words condense the essence of your character. This is a test of brevity as much as it is anything else okay uh, microfiction by the way is a fantastic exercise if you're a writer uh, sure continue so you write a hundred words about yourself and then you go to your session zero at your session zero you're going to sit down with all the other players at the table and you are going to read out your hundred words you give everybody a minute or two to ingest that and then you go around the table and have all the other players give a eulogy for your character as though you just died. Have you ever delivered a eulogy at a funeral, Meth? Uh, sadly, yes. 
Sure. So have I. My mom. And you know that the idea there, right, is you're trying to sum up that person's life, what was good about them, the experiences you shared with them, the stories that you want to communicate to the people that you want everybody to remember. You're distilling a person's life in one of the most important moments you'll you'll ever do, right? The moment that they've they've left us. Yeah. Right? And so everybody does a eulogy for your character that all they know is a hundred words. That's all you've given them. And then they have to give a eulogy for you as though they've known you for years and are one of your best friends. And they'll list things you did together, adventures you mm-hmm. went on, personality quirks you had, and you take notes of all of that. Well, this is this is improv. You're forcing improv because now I have to make up that like that one time we went to the bar and I was going through shit. And like you're so I've got your hundred words, but now I'm yes anding your hundred words. Exactly right. I've tricked you into improv. Haha. That's exactly right. And we've done this so many times, and it is ridiculous fun because your character. By the way, you have ultimate authorial control over your character. That never if happens. somebody's they embellish yeah. something, yeah. Yes, if somebody says something that you find offensive or you don't want in your backstory, you're not obliged to take it in, right? It's it's still your character, okay? But the advantage is you will have layers and elements in your character story you would have never thought of because you're you, mm-hmm. right? You're not the five other people at the table who think completely differently than you, well, this is- right? This is part of the magic of RPGs. Some of my yes. best story story stuff that has happened were player ideas. Because like I have a great idea, right? I have this thread, this this three season, you know, three uh you know, three uh, uh three act arc, beginning, middle, end. I've got all the te- I've got beats and I've got tension. I've got these really cool callbacks. I've got these really cool some really cool foreshadowing. Um, some excellent reveals. I have done everything. You know, I've done it all. And then you get to a point where a character does something or a player has an interaction organically and you just go, that's way better. That's way better. <laughs> I'm going to pull on right. that thread. I'm going to pull on that thread. I want to see where this goes. And then you can find a way to loop that thread back into your 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 big arc as a player, looking at it from the player building st- stance. But from a, I, I see from the GM, like trying to build this big narrative. But as a player, you're getting them, I don't want to say to think like a GM, but to think like a storyteller. Yes. To, to, to think like the game as an extension uh, of, 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 a, of a story you wish to tell. And you may not even know what story you thought you were going to tell when you wrote John Wick, right? But now someone yeah, yeah. eulogize, like, my, my hundred words is like, I'm basically John Wick. <laughs> and then, like, someone uh-huh. now eulogizes your John Wick character, and you yeah. get these other threads to pull on now. That yep. you hadn't thought of. Yeah, and I think that um, what's so fun and fascinating about this this kind of a, an exercise in a game like Soulbound, which I think, like, obviously this isn't in the book, but these kinds of character creation methods we're talking about, we are fleshing out the characters. Because the concepts of the archetypes are so well-known, like, literally, they made a whole chapter of 23 of them, right? And there's a bunch more that I'm sure future supplements will introduce. Like, I could start banging out archetypes today and have you. 50 by tomorrow. Like, they're not hard to make, right? Whoa, Soren. Whoa, Soren. Wow. Um, buy your There's mic that... is what he said with a $250 donation. Um, 
you are the man, Soren, as always. My goodness. You're oh, you're you are a scholar, a gentleman, and a hero, Soren. Yeah, but not in that order. Jesus. Uh thank you so much, man. I, I don't even I don't even have words. So about this RPG, because Wow. Um all, sure. all right. <laughs> no, that's 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 really wonderful. That's beautiful, man. Uh yeah, I think that because the archetypes are so well known, I think that these kind of like deep dives where you all get together and have a session zero, and they do make mention of that in here, by the way. They do Which make mention cool. of the session they zero. They did mention session yes. zero. Yeah, that, that's cool. Yep. I, um, the first time in a long time I've seen reference to a session zero. I think it's becoming more ubiquitous now. Um, yeah. But it, it was very much a community, RPG community thing first. I don't as a as a designer you might know did did you have a nod towards session zeros obviously your whole game was kind of I like didn't call it. it that but we we make mention that you should I didn't that term didn't exist but yes in the game we said you should get together for a pre-game session right, right. and that's where you do like the collaborative yeah. storytelling by the way we also have the complete collaborative world building so like your gm can show up with 100 words about the setting and then you all will sit there that night and build the world yeah as well uh, using this, using similar prompts, um, but at any rate, where can I buy the, this? By the way, and this isn't trying to get you to shill, but like I, I need, now I need to look over this because you're already like kind of you're speaking my language here, Vince. This is shit that I believe in. Uh, <laughs> on my website or Drive Through RPG, like same place. Ironically, the same place you can get Soulbound. We're all where everybody's on Drive Through RPG because it's real easy there. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's up on Drive Through RPG. Yeah. Um. The uh the um i think that this game lends itself really well to that kind of collaborative storytelling because you're soulbound yes. because you're working in established archetypes we're all familiar with if you're familiar with AOS at all right and so you get a lot of room to color outside the 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 lines right you don't just have to play like the witch elf the witch elf's already been mechanically more or less created for you you don't have to worry about that yeah. right now you can make it your witch elf, right? right? And that I think is is where there's a lot of power here because you don't have to waste time trying to flip through a bunch of different pages and figure stuff out if that's not your bag. You can just pick up, go, and start doing the important stuff, building your story. Well, well, like D and D Fifth Ed did this to a lesser extent with backgrounds, you know, like they absolutely, they, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And that, it was a, it's a good move. Like I have my friend, uh, one of my friends, Tony, who was in my. Uh, my the playtest game from 5e that we moved into a live game when it went live uh i was playtesting i took over running it um his his uh he he's like he's a great rpger in terms of role player when he like has a few sessions to play but he has no idea how to establish a background or a backstory like he just it's not how he thinks of like a character he's like Sure. I mean, I, he does it. He does it as he learns it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like I have. He starts a bit more of a tabula rasa, and then he rolls from there. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And uh, so, so, so backgrounds. He's like, I love backgrounds because they they get me already thinking, like before I've even played the character, and in a way that I understand. And this is this is that to the nth degree. This is even bigger. This is this is getting you to 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 have these to build this like this this weave these threads. This is again why I like Soulbound. I like the Soulbound mechanic. I think it gets you to start thinking about, well, why the hell do we soulbind? You know? Right. Uh, why yep. is my witch elf, who's got the blood manipulation talent that manipulates people's blood, partying with, uh, you know, partying with, like, some Corsair and a Stormcast Eternal to go save the world? Like, what the heck's going on here? Now you need to start talking. 
right? Like, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You've got to get on the same page. That's right. Right, right. That's brilliant. And uh, I like that session zero is like we now we it has a name, so it has power. Like you, we've it's session zero, and then like we start talking about that. Um, and you were on to that early too. And I think a lot of I mean it's not new. I think a lot of GMs had like a pregame or. But to codify it, again, codifying it is, I think it's important that you say, here's the rules for doing that. Because yeah. some of us are great at, at freestyling. Some of us have played in games for 20 years and never GM, so we have a great idea, but we would love some prompts. Essentially, giving people uh, limitations, like putting them in a box so they have to start thinking outside of the box. That's what it's about for me. It's like giving you limitations so that you start thinking outside those limitations. Ooh. Sure, absolutely. Yep. G-Dad, thank you so much for the resub. Woot, hobby, dad, and meth. <laughs> thanks, my friend. Um, thanks for the four months. Uh, yeah, 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 I don't know. I, I like that. Um, archetypes, though, are also limitation. Um, sure. But then they give, Innately, yes. Yeah. But then they give you the rules to think outside that. So you look at that, that witch elf out of the book, and then you go, how do I make this my witch elf? You know, how do I... Start? Yeah, sure. And, and there's some implications to that, both story-wise and mechanically. Um, mm -hmm. All right. Cool. Uh, I feel like I cut you off talking about NGS, though. You didn't. You did not. No, I was... Uh, we, we're good. I, I think that... What what haven't we touched on with Soulbound yet? Uh, how, how about we just... You, you want to do... You want to do some lightning round of, of of just stuff we find interesting? How about we do a how about we do a hey, here's some stuff that we think is a thing that might be interesting to folks section. Okay. And we'll try to rapid fire this as much as possible given that we're both long talkers. Right. How's that sound? Right. So so ra rantify a, a fire it or something like that. We'll, uh, we'll rantify it, yes. Can, uh, can you can you pad for time real quick while I let my dog I, out? I can certainly you? pad for time. Yeah, all sure. Right, all right. So Pick a tangent and go, buddy. You got to save my show. No problem. All right, so here we go. I'll talk about some things that I find incredibly funny, quirky, interesting, humorous, odd, whatever about the game. So here we are. All right, number one. Uh, Soulfire is an incredibly powerful mechanic, as has been previously mentioned. It is a very tough resource to recover, with the exception... That if you have a talent called a warm meal, you can get back soul fire actually relatively easily. So every party has to have at least one cook in it if you want to be actually fully taking advantage of the game system. Uh, so you always bring along somebody with some oodles and noodles. So that way you can get to, to doing the business of, uh, of hero of heroism. Uh, I find that very funny. Uh, the, um, Miracles themselves should have just been called prayers. They are not as miracle as I would be hoping. When I think of the word miracle, it feels bigger. Miracles are okay. You don't get enough of them, uh, but they're fine. I like the prayers. I think they're interesting, uh, and I think they do a good job of defining and being what they are. I just wish you got a little more prayers. It's actually kind of hard to be a devoted healer, priesty type, and feel like you're contributing as much as the other characters who just don't have to dedicate as much resources to do more of their stuff, which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, the KO equipment is amazing. They're, they are, you absolutely feel and get that they are the like technological leaders 
of the mortal realms because their gear is such a step above everybody else's it's amazing it's high tech it's high cost you you get you know a normal player starts with maybe a couple hundred uh space drops worth of uh of of equipment they start with a couple thousand space drops worth of equipment i call them space drops you don't use gold or anything in this game as your currency you use little drops of gyranian water that can also heal you so healing potions are also the money you spend um and uh yeah so they uh you you if you're playing a ko whether the archetype or you built it yourself you will absolutely feel like the technological superiority which i think is awesome like that very much comes through it also means that uh that if you can get your hands on ko equipment you should do that because it's pretty amazing uh i like that they captured a lot of the special equipment like the the stormcast sort of celestial wings and the big ether sea cloak that the the uh Eidneth have and the sea dragon cloak that like the dark elves have like they did a good job of capturing all of the fun um all the fun weird unique things that a lot of the the units that you would see in the game have and i, I love that those got brought to the fore i think that's very fun uh I think that mounts are way, way too expensive in this game. I don't know where they're costing out these horses at, but they are way too expensive. Uh, like, getting a horse, having a horse, buying a horse at the start of a game is a pretty classic thing to do for your heroes in a role-playing well, game. And this is one of those weird well, overlaps. Cavalier, Cavalier was, like, one of the classically... Uh, old yes. school second ed D and D thing is like Cavaliers. What many fighters can start mounted? Yes, absolutely. Like having a mounted character is not weird, and so it's weird that you begin the game as a darn near superhero, and yet getting a pony is outside of your economic reach. You cannot buy a pony. Now I'm just talking a full-fledged horse. <laughs> Forget about a full-fledged horse. You're a madman. You're nowhere near that. I'm talking about a pony. You're talking Bill the Pony, who's going to have some saddlebags and carry around your stuff, Hobbit style. That is not an affordable thing you can buy before at the start of your character. That seems odd to me. Uh, so that's talk a about weird the thing to begin with. I did talk about the currency. Yes, okay. I mentioned it. That it's space drops. It's Gyranian water that can heal you. Your healing it's, potions are your currency. Your yes. healing potions are currency. I actually kind of dig that. I think that's a pretty cool quirk. Yeah, no, that's super cool. Yeah, I I, I like their little unique currency. Uh, so, uh, I, I it's it's funny to me that like certain things are just so outrageously costed, <laughs> and yet and yet you are what you are. Like there's a there's a narrative dissonance there right like the game is telling you you're a big damn hero you're something important and the rules in this particular case are telling you you're so poor you can't afford a horse right right or well, a it, pony well it's funny because you like you walk into town and there's just like a farmer with just horses and you're like right gasp like the whole social economic like understanding of the world has to restructure the richest yeah. person is the one with the horses like that's yeah, and again, <laughs> I'm not talking about, like, war horses. I'm not talking about, like, the cavalry mounts bred for war. Those are so far outside of your reach. That is a different zip code. You don't even need to worry about that. Yeah. That is 
way, 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 way out of your reach. I'm talking about a stupid draft horse or a pony or something like that. Some, some, a few of the wealthy archetypes. And if you blow every space drop you have as the build your own, you are allowed to start with a mule. That is the only thing you own. You don't have saddlebags for the mule. You don't have feed for the mule. You don't have a, anything for the mule, but you own a mule. You don't even have a rope to if, tie around the mule's neck. If I may, though, um, like from the model ranges in Age of Sigmar, until Lumineth Realm Lords came around, we didn't really just have horses. So they might, narratively uh, speaking... Disagree. <laughs> they might Cities be... of Sigmar are still... The Pistoliers and Outriders are still riding normal horses. It, they just could be that rare. Those are left over from the world that was. Like Those are like the legacy mm -hmm. farmers that have sure. like, their, their, par sure. their, their parents' farms. <laughs> There's a million pictures of people riding things. Age of Sigmar is very much about one thing riding another thing. This is very common. Okay? Like, there's a lot of people riding things. And the fact that you cannot ride a thing easily. Or like eels. When you, eels will again, die. <laughs> they will die like they have to. Yeah, you can get an eel and it'll die in like eight seconds. The second an area of effect spell goes off, it dies. Um, the, well, they the can't fact breathe. they can't breathe. They sure. They will just the literally aether, suffocate. They will suffocate at character creation. They need the aether sea and you have to conjure the aether sea with a spell. <laughs> which will, which will not last long enough before when you go to sleep, the, yeah. the eel dies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I understand the, the fact that it is, I mean, this is what I'm talking about. Let me see if I can put a fine point on this. Cause it's weird and silly. And I know I'm making a lot of hay of it, but it really is one of those things that just stuck in my, it just was in my craw. Can't get rid of it. Again, it would be very, very, very simple to, uh, to create an entire flying party where everybody flies, you know, like Superman. Everybody flies. That's just how you, you do it. It is way easier to do that by a country mile than it is to get one person in the party to have a mount. Okay? Now, I I see what you're saying, King of Heretics, of like livestock is rare in a world where life is cheap. Whatever, whatever, that all sounds like nonsense to me. No offense. I just mean that like, I've seen the pictures of the cities of Sigmar and the art. There's always mounts around. They're always riding crap. It's in the pictures. And I am the hero. I can play a freaking knight questor. This is like literally a hero, a knight venator, the knight encantors. These are the stormcast characters you play. These are her heroes. These are above the stormcast that get mounts. Right? There are there are lower ranked stormcast who are getting mounts of varying <laughs> and sundry types. Okay? I'm not asking to get, a, you know, like the Star Drake here, okay? Like, I get it if that's out of my reach. I'm <laughs> fine with that. Right? Uh, I'm just saying, like, a horse. That's something. I feel like there's so many wild animals. There's literally a whole realm dedicated to wild animals. And there is a whole subsystem in the game of training wild animals. It feels like this should not be... 
there's an economic imbalance. We have a pricing breakdown somewhere on the curve here. I don't know where it's happening. <laughs> I love that this is the... Uh, this this is, is the hill I want to die on, yeah. This is the one. Because as a GM, I'm just like, yeah, you have a horse, whatever. Like, you know, like, I just, like, I just hand wave it so incidentally after you plead your case. Sure. Um, like, yeah, f- fine, whatever, you want a horse. Yeah, it could be a Dracoline. It has horse stats. I don't care. Like, you know, you just, you reskin, and I'm not even, like, that committed. Um, sure. But the funnier one is, like, eels don't, don't. Like they can't survive, so you can't they just actually flop make... around on the ground and die. <laughs> you can't actually, like, so you could start with an eel, but it can't function. <laughs> it just dies. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops! Like that's got to be an oversight. Where like they like, oh yeah, they need to breathe. Like they're aquatic, and they like they need. Uh, and you don't just walk around with the aether sea. They just like <laughs> ride a party member. There's another creative solution. Yeah. Uh, you... Sure. It's it's especially double strange to me. Because they created a whole talent all about you having a pet, like a little companion. Because again, that's sort of a, another it's a thing. It's a staple. Of, that's of... very common in this game, which I love, right? Like lots of, yeah, exactly. Lots of people have little like griffons and little fish birds. Friends. And there's like, yeah, like fish friends, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that's super cool. I dig that they gave you a talent to where you could have your little friend, right? Uh, like your, your Kurnoth, you can have that little spite guy that follows you around and gives you arrows and um or your little a grub ghost. you know i love that you can have a ghost like a little yeah you can ghost. have a little spirit yeah yeah so like you can you mentioned the fish yeah you can have your little fish yeah that's right. cool like i like that all that's there how is one of the selections on that list not horse <laughs> just horse <laughs> like i can have a star eagle okay <laughs> Or or uh, or or one of those eels who's gonna die immediately. Like like Tomb King, Tristan says, I can have a fucking celestial mink. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, not a yeah. horse. <laughs> but but like a horse didn't make the cut. I guess I don't yeah. know. Uh, no, I mean again, it's a it's a little little funny thing. Uh, we haven't talked about Doom at all. There is this background mechanic called Doom, right. uh, which is this sort of ever presence of chaos in the world that goes up when bad things happen. I love it. I love the tracking of the doom and it, it influences um, I'm, other, I'm, other things in the game. I'm, I'm singing the doom song currently from invader Zim, like this. Doom, 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 sure. And I, I, I think that's a great mechanic. I love that. Like, especially the big demons get tougher and more powerful, the more doom there is in the world, because it's the more like uh, it represents more of like how much chaos taint has spread within the area of the party's operation, right? Yeah. Uh, so I think that's just a, I think that's a really clever, cool mechanic. I, I dig that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's kind of, that's probably most of my little things I wanted to hit on of just funny stuff. Uh, I like the way that the talent names coincide with other species. I don't know if it's in de- incidental or on purpose, like uh, Iron Gut. Like, they actually have a talent in there for making your ogre. Um, right. So I like that. Um did you talk about the food talent at all and Soulfire? I did. I talked about okay. a, yes, a warm meal. I talked <laughs> about a warm meal. Yes, yeah. you got to get out your oodles and noodles if you're making a party and somebody didn't spend two points on oodles and noodles. Yeah, uh, you 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 gone done wrong, son. Go yeah. back, strike yeah. it. Somebody cross something off and take oodles and noodles. Yeah, 
I um I like that the game has a, a it seems to have a general vibe on the uh, theater of the mind's eye scale of things, and I feel like they can, they they constantly work at codifying that. But I also feel like that it, it can seem a little bit like at a uh, it seems like a little bit of a paradox for a Warhammer game to be theater of the mind's eye. But on the other hand, I'm like respect. It's just like I just yeah. keep going back and forth on this. Is like I don't like models in my RPGs. I'm usually theater of the mind's eye myself. Um, yep. Uh, and like the game where they're bridging over from a minis game, they're like, oh no, don't you don't need to use your minis. Like, don't use your minis. Um, like it's just it, it. Like I'm like it's a bold move. I like it. I like it. Um, but of course you're gonna want to model your character. Obviously, I mean people are gonna do that. And then just like do that and then sit it on the desk next to yourself because fuck your battle map. Uh, this isn't a board game. This is an RPG. <laughs> it's going to be tough to model my character. I'm, I'm going to see what I've got in Skaven because he's going to be, that's going to be a hard one to put on. I showed you the picture. I did find I did. a piece of art that I thought was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So you might be asking yourself, how, how is a Skaven a good guy? Well, Vince has found the perfect art that I think shows a Skaven being a good guy or certainly on the path to redemption. Yeah, but you'll just have to tune in next week for that. Um. <laughs> he might not be fully good yet, but he's 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 going to get there. We believe in him. Yeah, I I was I was walking back back to the computer, and I had some some thoughts on some of the uh, some of the quirks of the game that I really enjoyed, um, or just quirks. Uh, magic versus prayers is well. Why, first off, why aren't they called prayers? They're called miracles. Yeah, I mentioned that. That was another okay. thing I mentioned. Yes. <laughs> Why are they called miracles? They're not, they don't feel powerful enough to be miracles. Also, like, magic is just way better than prayers in this. Like, I don't want to be, Sorry, that's, that's an evaluative statement. But, miracles. like, when you, when you take magic, you get a ton of magic. And yes, magic can kick you back. It can hurt you if you screw up a, a cast, whereas praying doesn't. Oh, dude. You only get, like, endless spells are a consequence of fucking up spells. It's awesome. I, I think it's awesome. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You have to really screw up a cast to get an endless spell out. But yes. Um the the most common thing that's going to happen on most spells is that you just you hurt yourself. Uh and you, by the way, the pain of a miscast is significant in this game. I, like don't <laughs> please don't mistake me. It's not it's not a fun thing to miscast. Well, you don't do But that thing. means like how like I go to hit with the sword. Right. Like, oh, your sword hits you in the neck. Like it's it's a when you go to do the action and the action not only doesn't work, but there's a negative consequence, any negative consequence, any, it sucks, you know? Um, yeah. I would say it's fairly mitigatable. Like most casters will not run miscast chances very often. So, you know, that's fine. Um, the, the, the thing is though, prayers, like my, one of my biggest complaints is that like the, the prayer based characters just feel like not on the level with everybody else in, in a way, partially because they have to invest in, in unusual stats that don't benefit other things as much. Mm -hmm. uh, like that is to say, you can be a good spellcaster and by being a good spellcaster, you're also becoming tangentially better at other things because everything sources to body, mind, or soul. When you invest in soul, it moves very little, which is what you ostensibly want to be to be a, a, a prayer, a cleric, a whatever, a priest, whatever. And that is the funniest piece of art in the book. Um, uh, uh, yeah. I encourage you to stare at that piece and look into your doom. Uh, <laughs> the one that's not not the parched picture, the, the one that's the up wheel. a few pages yeah, from where you were. I know, I know. The, the 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 irrigation thing. Yeah. Um, the um, I love the. the you just like the fact that you get like one prayer, and that one prayer is of let's call it moderate value. 
basically. Well, there's a talent that the witch gets where she actually has, like, like she can do three things with the one talent. And I'm just like, yeah, do that. Like, do that more. I like, I like stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, I just feel like, you know, that's, again, it's not like it's so out of bounds that it'd be like, oh, if you ever play a priestly guy, you, you're being dumb. No, I'm playing that sort of thing, so clearly I must think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just It just feels like there could be a little more parity there. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that, like, Miracle is overstating what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> At least call it prayer. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, the uh, Stormcast having a... Uh, their Reforge being a narrative thing? Yeah, that's a great that's a great pick by them. Like when you die, you get reforged and you come back in a narrative amount of time. Mm-hmm. You work with a GM to determine when you return to the party. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. That's right. so much better than them writing. It takes one d six days or whatever. You know, blah 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 yeah. nonsense. Yeah, exactly. So that's another one of those nods towards like the narrative of design where they're like they really, I think they really cared about you playing. You getting to zoom in and play your character in this world, like in this world, and playing right. actually being part of it and inhabiting this narrative, this this scope. I think that they've made some really intelligent decisions there. That's one of those where you go, they could have easily just made this roll dice and then comes back. Like that, that cheapens it. You know that. I I agree. I, I completely agree. And I will say that I I quite enjoy that. I also quite enjoy that. Stormcast are just better than you, and you need to accept that. Yeah. Um, like, they literally build their characters with more XP than everybody else. Their their equipment is just better. Their stats and stuff and, and you know, abil- allotment is just better. And you need to get on board with that, people, because Stormcast are just better than you. They also start <laughs> out seven foot tall. Like, deal with it. <laughs> like- Absolutely. I couldn't believe in the book it says that Stormcast, some Stormcast are up to nine feet upwards tall. Upwards of nine feet tall. Like, yeah. I was like, what? Well, I knew Stormcast were big. I had not been picturing that in my head. Okay, that is like, impressive. Every Stormcast is Shaq. Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm on board with that. Every Stormcast is now, like, getting to mythical, like, kind of absurdity. Like, that. that's the one time it goes a little too far. I like every Stormcast is Shaq. Like, they just, they're seven, seven foot six. You know the upwards of the the upwards of human capacity, like just like absolute human capacity, right? Like I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So somebody Soren just asked the most the most important question: Does a soulbound to soulbound tell you why a stormcast sequitur, a savage orc, a free guild general, and a witch elf hanging out with a free guild archer? Um, well, so there only some of those you named. You can't play an orc right now. You can if you use my character sheet because I created species rules. They do have orcs. a sidebar. They have one sidebar early on in, in the uh, the race uh, the species section where they say like you'll like there's all these races. You'll note that orcs aren't in here yet. Um, maybe at a later supplement. If you're really interested in making that stuff, there's rules for making your own species. Um, so right. Like they, they, but as an as out the gates, like they're not one of the the base races. Seraphon also aren't aren't one of the base races. Um, so, so like, there's still some holes there. Uh, I fully expect supplements to come down the line. I, this is a, no, a hundred percent. I think the other question though, he's asking is why are these big, powerful things hanging out with the regular free guild dude? And the answer is because your free guild dude is on the level. 
Like that's really the answer. Like you're if you're if you're you're not just a free guild archer. There's no like just a free guild archer in the game. If you're a if you're a free guild archer, you're like a great archer. Like you are pretty freaking legendary at what you do because you you deserve to be in this thing. Because everybody's on the level, like everybody's on the level. That's just kind of how it works, right? Like um there's no there's no archetype that's just basic free guild archer. You're you could play that. You could easily build the the super archer and you would be like you know the free guild archer was the captain of his unit who survived a bunch of campaigns and is now leveled up right i'm trying to uh yeah 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 uh, I, and and then there is going to be a burden of 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 uh narrative you're going to have to come up with and you should take the time to develop why your party is soulbound if your gm is cool like i am Unless you play that that orc um, with the party, you gotta lay some groundwork. Like, look, you can't be okay. You can be an orc, but like, you can't just murder all umies. Obviously, that's not gonna work in an RPG. Like, you have to discuss those 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 lines, those those sort of like those boundaries a little bit. Um, right. And, and again, when I talk about like boundaries and limitations, remember, I think boundaries and limitations pretty much exist to break them. Uh, but you gotta draw that box so that people begin to think outside of it. Like first they start thinking in, and then they move outside of it. Think about back in like high school or middle school, the last time we were college, the last time you wrote an essay. When the teacher goes, you can write about anything. The worst assignment. When they say you right. have to write about this, it's way better because then you 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 get to even think. And then once you start thinking about that, how many times I know I did this? How many times my teacher would be like, oh, you can write about this thing, and then like I would stumble upon something in history more interesting than the history thing they gave me that was like uh, beside what i was supposed to write about and then i go well can i write about this instead and then my teacher would almost 100 percent of the time just go oh yeah but like they i wouldn't have even looked in that place had i not been like limited to begin with um right I, I think that that's that's important so like your limitation now is like okay you want to play savage orc well how does that savage orc work within the confines of a soulbound party indeed with a free guild archer and everything like that like how do you do that yeah again you shouldn't be uh, this is a heroic scale. You tend not to be just a free guild archer. You would be the free guild archer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like an archer captain. Yes. Yeah. You're like the old character. What was that? I don't remember his name, but the special character who was like the 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 super huntsman, whatever it was, back from from the empire. But you'd be like that guy. Uh, I hate empire. Couldn't tell you. Uh, they all sure. Look, it's, they I all are, there was like way too many empire special characters to remember all of them. They all look like future bones to me, man. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, yeah, I mean, what else did we want to, uh, what else do we want to touch on? Well, I mean, we covered, like, Soulbound and why Soulbound. Why is the game called Soulbound? Uh, character creation. Uh, templates are just fine, or archetypes are just fine, but, um, they are templates. Uh, as you learn the system, I think you'll, you'll, you'll find it far more rewarding to explore your own character creation. For that, Vince actually created this amazing... Uh, character sheet here uh you've got it available on dropbox um yep you want to talk a little bit about what you did here sure so when i started putting together the when i started reading the book it occurred to me that there was a lot of different math going on that is kind of complex to track honestly like it's a bit it's some of it is a bit difficult especially as you're starting out so what i did was i said okay i can fix this with the power of excel <laughs> uh so the uh, 
so what I did is I sat down and started auto-flowing all these calculations, and it's grown over time. And there was a nice member of the community that helped me out. Um, Travis helped me out, this gentleman out there in the community. He added some extra stuff to it as well, which I was grateful for. And like this was really pushing the sort of Excel skills. There's a lot of lot of comp complex things going on here with sort of nested, you know, if statements and all sorts of fun VLOOKUPs and all kinds of crazy stuff. And, uh, but it has everything, like all the talents are in here. It doesn't give you all the rules. You still have to buy the book. Uh, but it, uh, oh, hey, there you go. Yeah. Kicker's hey, in here. He's right. the one who helps. Nice. Yeah, awesome. Thank Thanks for that. Yeah, thank you. Right Great. Yes. He, he was, uh, he helped very much. This and... isn't the, uh, but the weapons are missing guy, is it? No, 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 no. This is a, this is a different gentleman. Okay. This is only, only, you know, Travis is awesome. Right. So, uh, and so it was fun to, to go there and to add a bunch of, uh, to add all this stuff together. So now all your calculations flow and I'm going to keep evolving it. Like there's some stuff formatting wise. I'm not super happy with right now. Like some of the species bonuses kind of run, the text is too big and it kind of runs off and you can't read it easily. So like, I'm going to work some with formatting. Um, I want to try to make sure that I want to put it, make sure the racial bonuses are built in somehow. Well, it, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't get the, that um, like elves, for instance, who get the bonus training and focus. Right. Yeah. It'll just run your XP total up higher than it should be. Right. So I need to figure out how to, how to do that. <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'll figure out some way. Yeah. Um, like certainly things like Jordan, where they get plus two wounds. That's very easy. Uh, just another, just adding another level of nesting to the if statement around wounds. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, I mean, the, but the goal here was to just make it easy and quick to, to bang through your character and make all the selections. And what it does do is show you things like requirements. So, like, if you pick a talent, you know, like, you pick Shield Mastery, it tells you you've got to have Training 1 and Focus 1 in both Weapon Skill and Reflexes. Okay, cool. Now I know that I have to have my skills there or I have an illegal character, right? So just stuff like that. Yeah. That would be, like, a lot to normally look up it doesn't tell you what shield mastery does. You've still got to go have the core book to understand the rules, right. but it gives and, you that. And kind again, of stuff. drive through RPG. You can you get a PDF download with your physical copy. So, yep, so good. Um, just do that. You just do it. You, you'll you'll thank us later. Continue. I'm done shielding. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> no, you're fine. So yeah, I mean, all in all, that was the the goal of making the sheet was to. And if you if you download the actual Excel version. I did lock all the calculation cells, so you can only type in the cells where you can't hurt anything. I tried to make as many things as possible drop downs, so that way, again, you're not typing and you run the chance of like screwing something up. I, I like um, your, your custom races uh, color the uh, like color it red, like to show. Yeah, if if you like... pick a custom race, it colors it red to show that you've you've gone off script somehow. Get, get GM approval, <laughs> uh, right? Exactly. Don't, don't, don't just assume you're gonna your GM's as cool as me. Uh, they should try to be because I'm awesome. But like letting people play Skaven, depending on what everyone wants from their expectation of the game, don't don't just assume that shit. Um... Nice, yeah. So I, I saw somebody in the comments. Uh, G Dead said, "If you need more help with Excel, let me know." Literally, all I do all day for Amazon. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's awesome. Uh, so yes, I'll, I'll, I, 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 I may reach out to Meth to hit you up. So we'll, uh, we'll see. That's one of my, my personal Mortarks. So, uh, he, he, nice. supports, he supports me on Patreon. Uh, um, and honestly just liking conversation and stuff. Um, good dude. So yeah, he's, he'd be a good one to, to, to tap if you need help with Excel. I mean, I, yes, I, I am, I am skilled enough with Excel that I know how to do all the common tasks 
all the common stuff. Like I can make formulas and I can do pivot tables. And, you know, I know standard, the most standard formulas, how to, how to interpret and write them. But there is, there is a level of mastery of Excel that sits above me that I am aware exists. That is like people who are sorcerers with it. I, I use Excel, um, for storyboarding. Uh, it's, it's, uh, 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 plotting out because you can actually have the multiple lines and the, uh, unless I'm writing in a notebook, like, a, like, uh, the old school sure. person I am, it, the only way to have like a web of, of like nonlinear thought of like different character actions and stuff like that happening when you're plotting out a story, I use Excel for that. That's it. That's all I know is I get multiple cells that are connected and then they do stuff. And then my bills, sometimes they will auto add shit. <laughs> yeah. You may want to think about if you've never, have you ever used a mind map? Like a mind map program? No, no. I, I still. You use, may want to. I use notebooks, and then I take a picture with a with my app called a sure. Evernote, and yep. then that converts it over, and that's all. I, that's you may want to just look into. Like after we're done here, seriously, if that's the kind of thing you like to do, where you're making like a tangled web of all these different things, uh, like adventure plotting, where you want this to connect to this, but then this can have these charts, the, these things that spring off it, and stuff like that. There's a lot of good free. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good free mind mapping programs you can grab. I use them a lot at work yeah, like to you, just you, like sketch out initial product thoughts. I just showed a, a snapshot of my notes here, how I fucking shapes and circle shit. And then I have lines drawn to and through. And like my, uh, my, I have piles of notebooks uh, because I still, uh, there's still a, 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 like a kinesthetic property to writing that I, I love. Um, yeah. And so when I, I write my adventures and stuff, I feel like when you're actually like writing the stuff on paper and, it's just for the efficiency, you got to use the computer, you know? So it's like, whilst I love keeping my attachment to like physical notebooks and I've got this notebook here is actually uh, not my Rantcast notebook. Uh, I've been, I've been writing all my Rantcast notes in uh, the crisp brand new notebook for our Soulbound campaign, because I feel some of the notes that I, I write down here will be relevant for the Soulbound game I run because my brain doesn't follow any linear, like, pattern it follows that i'm that person you come into his office and you go this is this is a mess and i'm like i know where everything is don't fucking touch anything like sure I know that, that pile of junk my brain on paper is the same way so like naturally rantcast 49 doesn't go on the rantcast journal which i have it goes in the soulbound campaign journal because vince is on and we're talking about soulbound stuff makes perfect sense to me <laughs> it's i like da vinci like I, I i can't imagine like how brandon's brandon sanderson finished uh robert jordan's uh wheel of time i can't imagine somebody walking in and grabbing all my notes and talking to molly and finishing one of my stories i just i it blo <laughs> like, i i don't know how you do it <laughs> um but yeah uh i should look into these mind uh webs or whatever program mind map mind map okay Yep. If you just if you just Google like free mind map program, you'll find a whole bunch. Cool. cool. So you could it could it could be a game changer for you, Meth. That's all I'll say. All right, man. Organized chaos. I mean, I think it's just it's it's chaos. Well, that's actually exactly what mind map programs are. They're just organized chaos. Perfect. They they help you just organize your chaos. Like they they are still very chaotic things, but it's slightly more organized chaos. So one of the other things I think have we talked about the ladder. Gasp. Oh, the ladder. No, we haven't talked about the ladder. Yes. I think this is a, is super important to talk about. Um the way so so the way I, I guess you want to walk through uh the Yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. So basic premise of the ladder is this. 
you are going to calculate a melee score, an accurate, a ballistic score, sorry, and a defense score. And those scores have some mathematical derivative. For example, melee is the combination of your body and your weapon skill training. So let's say you've got a three body and two training and weapon skill. That makes your melee score a five. You then are going to compare that to a to this table, and that gives you a space on the ladder. There are six steps on the ladder. Do you know what page uh, the ladder is on, per chance? I know you, we screenshot. Thirty-one. Thirty-nine. It's thirty-nine. I think it's thirty-nine. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Distinguishing features. I think it's thirty-nine. Nope. It's not the way unless you're on thirty-nine. That's... Nope. Sorry. Try thirty-one. It's 39. Boom! I remembered one thing. Okay, there you go. All right, good. Good job. Yeah. So, at any rate, yes. So, there's six steps. Poor, average, good, great, superb, extraordinary. And uh, you're going to take your number and compare it to there. It just switches on the odds. So, even numbers don't matter. Like, the difference between a score of uh, three and four doesn't actually change your position on the ladder. It could be relevant because it doesn't mean you may have another dice in your pool. May. Um, And so, the... Uh, the way that you're going to then determine your difficulty number when you want to swing a sword and hit somebody is you're going to compare your whatever to their defense whatever position on the ladder, right? So, in other words, if your melee is five or six, which is going to be very common for melee-oriented characters to start out with. Fuck you, Tristan, uh, g- but I love you. Would be, <laughs> would be good. Uh, so if you're good and the enemy's defense is good then you need to roll fours. You're then going to have a certain pool of dice, which is a separate calculation. By the way, this was Thaco, how Thaco essentially worked. The thing that everybody- this is it's it's dice pool Thaco. It's the easy. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Yeah. You're gonna have a you're gonna have a pool of dice, which could be different, because that pool of dice gets constituted sometimes from different combinations. For example, your your place on the ladder, your ballistic score is generated at but with your mind plus your ballistic skill, okay? But your uh, your dice pool with a ranged weapon is calculated at, of your by your body, plus your ballistic skill, okay? It's harder to be good at shooting than it is to be good at melee, because melee uses the same, the same thing. There's the same, a logic the same there, stats. but I, there, there's a logic there that I respect, in, in, you know, for, from like maybe trying to game balance. But I feel like, you're getting a little too like ancillary for my taste at that point. When you it's 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 a weirder choice, yes. Yeah. Uh, now that being all said, it's not like it's. I'm not saying like range characters are bad. No, I'm just saying they have a little bit more mad than uh, multi multi attribute dependency than than uh, than melee characters. But at any rate, you're then going to get a pool of dice you roll. Let's say we're, again we're in good to good. And as I mentioned before, you had a five because you were on good. So you're going to roll your five dice and every four you get is a success. We'll assume you have zero focus for the moment just to keep things separate. Focus is just a bonus you can add, like plus ones you can add to your rolls. Captain. So you roll five dice. Every four you get is is uh, a success. And the damage you deal is codified as X plus S. So there'll often be a flat number, zero, one, two, and there's a single weapon in the game that is three. It's a, and it's a it's a dwarven weapon in case you're wondering. So dwarves are yes, dwarves, you're pretty rad. Continue. Yeah, dwar KO have the hardest hitting hammer. 
And uh, if you, and then, so let's say I rolled those five dice. I got two dice that were four or more, and I'm using a one plus S weapon. That would mean I dealt three damage. So there you go. Yeah. Um, that's so how it you've, works. You've killed, you've triple killed the, uh, the, the, Car uh, the Carrick Acolyte. Uh, that's right. He is super dead. You've, you've pulverized him like with that hammer. Like you just, mm -hmm. he is a smear on the, on the pavement. I've half killed a blood reaver. <laughs> blood reavers have six toughness somehow. It's actually pretty uh, insane. Like, uh, for a, a thing like, uh, ghosts, um, like spooky ghosts and stuff. I like, I was, I remember being like surprised that I was killing ghosts with a regular sword. Just like right, <laughs> my D and D brain was like, "Wait, I didn't need a magic weapon." But, but, uh, but I digress. Um, yeah. So the ladder they will they do reduce damage you deal. By the way, uh, ghosts do, yeah. as does armor. Yeah. So like when people are wearing armor, that will also reduce the damage dealt. Yeah. Yeah. For example, said Blood Reaver does not wear armor, but when you meet Mister Blood Warrior, why he is encased in you know mighty brass plate. Uh, gifted by the forges of corn himself, right? So it's it's tough armor. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's the ladder. By uh, by uh, association, you kind of began to hear about uh, by about focus. Um, so we want to real quick explain focus and was it talent and focus? Yeah. So you've got you've got untrained, which just means nothing. You have nothing in the skill at all. You have training. Training adds to your dice pool. Every every point you put in training, it gets more expensive the more you do of it. It adds one dice to the dice pool for that specific thing. Yeah. And then focus lets you up, gives you a, a set of plus ones. So like if you have focus two, and uh, and and that means you can either take two dice and increase them by one, or you can take one dice and increase it by two. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's pretty much pretty Razor, much how it works. Razor Tree says, "Thank goodness you don't need magic weapons to kill ghosts. Your guild all over Shyish are grateful." Yeah. Um. No. I, I mean, this goes back to something we were talking about earlier. Like, they really didn't get like too too like tinsely with or finicky with uh, um, that yeah, kind of minutia. Yeah. That kind of minutia, and I think it's for I think it's for the for the best. Uh, their mechanics for the game are already kind of crunchy, as we've just kind of described. Uh, you don't need to further complicate it by having. Uh, the blue spell hurt the thing with with the red armor, and the, right. the green spell hurt the guys with the blue armor. Like you don't need to do that. Um, uh, and combat is pretty punchy. It's pretty. It's pretty pretty quick. Pretty pretty clean. Uh, once you once you get through the steps, once you once you sort of memorize the ladder, uh, which will happen with play and familiarity uh, by having geniuses like Vince and Tom play with you. Uh, like they're going to remind, I'm going to like, just say, oh, he's good. And they're just going to know, I'm not even gonna have to explain it. Um, <laughs> so I can focus. I have on, like, spent most of my life internalizing game systems. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So like, internalizing and writing game systems. Yeah, so they'll, they'll figure that all out for me. So I could just focus on how sweet the thing is that they're fighting it, the, its description and how it ties into their inner, inner struggle. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. I was, sounds good to me. I, as I said, one of the things, and you mentioned it earlier, but it's worth noting again here, is that this game does not use any kind of, like, challenge rating system or anything of that nature. So, as a GM, it can be a little more challenging to know exactly what you're supposed to be throwing at your your players, because they, you know, you, you 
you do have to, some stuff is going to be quite powerful and some stuff is going to be kind of a pushover. You can sort of eyeball it. And certainly after you've been running for even a short amount of time, yep. you'll get a much, much, much tighter conception of what's going on. But it is worth noting that that's a thing. Like they just have all the monsters back there. And like how challenging is an art boy going to be for this party to kill? Well, you know, that, at one hand, it's an it is a fair admission that like well, they could put something in, but the reality is every party is going to be different anyways. Because you know if you have a party more focused on certain things than others, they're not. It's not like every challenge is universally the same, right? right. Um, so that's an important sort of thing that they're they seem to be admitting of. At the same time, there's no sort of guidelines at all, so it it can be a little tough. Yeah, I mean, even just explainer text, like, being, like, you know, throwing this at, like, this type of, in this type of encounter or this type of situation. Uh, if you're going for a narrative focus on, on how you should think about encounters, then give me a narrative uh, litmus test. Um, you know, like, is this one meant for the party of, like, Wonder Woman, Superman, and so on? Like, just give me something. Right. Uh, it's, 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 I mean, the other thing is, you know, D&D CR is, is flawed. Um, hell, oh yeah, sure. Heck, I'd even say like fifth ed CR beyond ten is meaningless. Uh, it just it there's no way to gauge any. I I don't think it was tested particularly well. There you go. Shots fired at me again. Um, <laughs> uh, but but like um, uh, environment in D and D is something that's not often taken into uh, uh into CR. If you fight an abolith on dry land. It's a way easier fight than if you fight that Aboleth underwater, right? And they sure. they anticipate you fighting the Aboleth underwater when they wrote it CR. Um, so yeah, it's just it's going to take a little bit. the The real thing is it's going to take a little bit of extra a effort on the GM's part. You're going to have to run some sessions. You're going to have to test your party. Um, with you, I mean, it's like sparring. You're going to be throwing jabs for a little bit, trying to figure out what they trying to like learn what they can handle. Um. And then you're going to go from there with the encounters. So, I mean, that's the way to approach it, I think, as a GM. GM advice with, with the lack of a CR for their monsters. Spar with your party for a little bit. Throw a couple goblins at them. See how they, they handle just, like, two goblins that got away from, like, some bigger fleet of goblins. Uh, the other thing is don't insult your party's intelligence. Uh, they, they will probably figure a way out of situations as long as you're not putting them on railroad tracks. So, right. like, if they encounter a bunch of shit in a jungle chances are they have ways to you know like they can run and let them if they need to when you're in the sparring phase of figuring out what they can handle what they can't maybe it doesn't feel super fulfilling to run away from an encounter so then now you have a breadcrumb about getting revenge or how important is that to them or they have a MacGuffin item so now they need to approach the situation with stealth and so on and so forth now you're building an organic narrative well that actually reminds me of one other thing i want to definitely make mention of in this book did so, so Mef, did you read the section on flea? Did you read the special ability flea? No. Okay. So this is a this is one of the things you can. That's fine. This is one of the things you can do in combat. Dear GM uh, slash playtester, did you read about flea? No, I didn't fucking read that. Uh, that's fine. Heroes don't so, flee. That's for cowards. So no, continue. Well, uh, so yes, you're exactly correct. So they actually, uh, amongst the standard D and D sort of type actions that they that they have in here, which is all the ones you'd expect, like the aforementioned dodge, dip, dive, duck, and dodge, right? right. Uh, the interesting thing is they had a new one called flee, okay? And not to be flee, confused with disengage. No, no, yeah, this isn't like some disengage maneuver. 
This is like if your character says, I flee, you flee, you run. Like literally just like we would remove models from a Battleshock test and they're just gone. That's what happens. You are removed from the battlefield. You escape, you run away, you leave. Okay? You are, sir, no longer appearing. Hey, stop. Sorry, my dog is getting uh my dog is getting my dog uppity here. Just earlier, I can't judge you. Um uh so you leave the fight. Like it's just you say you're doing this and you do. You leave. Uh now one might think, well, wait a minute. Doesn't that just let the party escape any fight they want to without penalty? Like, if they don't want to... How do we just narratively get away from this, doom. right? Doom. Yes, when you, whenever you flee, it increases the doom in the background of the world, so further things get worse. So it's it's just a wonderful little extra mechanic, because it's cool. It, uh, it, it sort of gives the party this button that like if they need to get out of there they can sort of punch it and do it and everybody's gone and you get away safely you know the game doesn't have to end here but then they're making a choice about like if they do that the general doom of the world has increased because they have they have let evil win the day yeah which is cool yeah yeah it's pretty metal uh, i like it i like it um, I wonder how easy it would be to work in a parallel timeline of events for books like City of Secrets. Uh, I uh, there's a whole section on if you want to play in a different time period and uh, uh, different like uh, mechanical levels of the game. Like they they have that in there. Um, yeah, I'm sure it would be super easy. I'm sure. Like yeah. just because there's so many there's so many elements you could grab onto. And yes, as you mentioned, like. They have stuff where you can play in the Age of Myth when the gods were still all together and aligned, yeah. right? So, like, yeah, yeah, when they were still Team Venture, you can still rock, you can still party in that timeline. Um, yeah, then you could have like OBR in your party with, uh, you know, with your with everybody else all all bound together. I didn't say it; it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the jig is up. Let's skedaddle. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. There's some there's um there's some stuff that really does land with me in this book to, that makes me want to run it over. You know, like not just taking D and D and reskinning it for Age of Sigma. You know, like there's sure. the Soulbound Doom. There are mechanics that they put in this that makes this worthy, relevant, uh, significant. Um, what what do you think didn't land beyond the formatting? Was there something that you're just like change it or didn't quite no? The the miracle thing is my second biggest one. Like I just feel like miracles are are you it's not even as much their effect. I think their effects are often okay and they don't have the risk. It's more the problem of, you know, most every priest that you play in the game has a couple different prayers they can do. Right? They start with two prayers. Like your your dwarven rune lord or your whatever, you know, they most of the time come with two prayers, and if they're in their battle tome, you get like a third one. Here you literally get one prayer, whereas the wizard starts with six spells. That is a heck of a level of variance in in output. How would I fix miracles? You would get more miracles to start. And I would also add some more. But that that the add some more will happen naturally with time. So I'm not worried about that part. That that's just gonna be like that is the game exists, hence more miracles exist. Yeah, there's gonna be um, more talents, more. That's just gonna happen. The the new book's gonna come out. You're gonna look. You're gonna skip past everything. You're gonna look at the new talents in the book. Um, yeah, if you want me to be specific, you would pick three miracles. 
you get six spells, you get three miracles. The number that you get in your battle tome, if you're a priest of that thing. That's the right number. Like, looking over the miracles, that still has you make a lot of difficult choices because your average priest has probably 10 to 12 different miracles they could choose from between Universal and the ones specifically of their god. And so, you know, choosing three of them is still quite reasonable um, because I will say that most of the miracles have, like, functionality to them. There's none of them I looked at and I was like, dumb, skip. Like, I could see all of them. Um, having, in fact, some of them are actually super cool as a matter of fact, but the problem is when you pick that whole thing, like it's not a small investment of your character effort to be good with miracles. Like I said, first you have to invest in soul, which is the least valuable. It is the charisma of this game. Okay. (laughs) No, I mean, it is like, there's nothing else to say about that. Okay. It, it, it adds nothing to your combat skills, right? Mm-hmm. At both mind and body add something to your combat skills. Yeah, initiative for mind okay. even like in initiative sure. going first important. Yeah. Uh yeah, like the only thing it's adding to is soul does add to your toughness and to your wounds because those are just things that are derivative calculations of the sum total. But soul is no more valuable than anything else. Like pumping your mind by or your body by two does more overall by far than pumping your soul by two. Okay. Right. So, like, soul is the weakest of the three stats. It just is. It has the smallest number of skills associated to it. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, body has uh, uh, eight skills, and mind has 11. Mind having the most isn't weird. But your soul only has five. Okay? And I would point out two of those are, are highly duplicative. Namely, determination and devotion. <laughs> Although, one of them is what you need to be a, a priest, which is devotion. And then the other ones are like beast handling, entertain, and intimidation. Well, if you don't want to be a beast handler, who cares? If you're not going to be, uh, you know, a busker, you're probably not taking entertain. And intimidation, you can actually use guile, the mind skill, to duplicate the exact same thing. Like if you read the description of what guile is doing, again, another one that doesn't need to exist. Guile is like being tricky and and presence and, and like outsmarting people and getting them to yeah, agree you're, with you. Not you're 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 dread pirate Roberts. Yeah, like you're yes. convincing and that's guile. It's Yeah. I, and like I understand the theoretical difference between I'm using my wits to defeat you and I'm using like my gur, I'm an orc growling at you. Or, okay. Or strength and force of personality. Like uh, like oh, yeah, sure. outsmarting you versus just out talking you. You know, like I'm yep. I'm a force of personality type person. I'm also witty, but I use it in conjunction. But usually it's just like I'm a I'm like using personality to win. Like that's why I love fucking Aijutsu masters in 3-0, but cuz they're killing you with their force of personality. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. Sorry, continue. Um, Who didn't like, I one of my favorite games I ever ran was a was a, a 3.0 Oriental Adventures game. Great stuff. I, I, um, Aijutsu masters to uh, real quick explainer. They got charisma to damage. Like they're killing you with their yes. force of per- it's fantastic. Continue. Also Aijutsu dueling was like the coolest thing. Okay. Oh, so metal. So <laughs> uh so at any rate the um, the point is you get the least out of soul mechanically. There's the least you can do with it skill-wise. Like, even if you're just wanting to be, uh, you know, I, look, I'm not trying to be a combat monster here. I just want to be cool with skills and be like that guy in the party where I can do a lot of stuff and I know a lot of things. Okay, well, you get the least payoff there from investing in soul. Because, again, every point you put in mind, like, when you put a point in mind, that adds... uh that adds a D6 to the pool of 11 different skills. Yeah. Any test you're going to make of those 11 skills, you are now better at. 
for one point investment into mind. Mm -hmm. And moreover, a lot of them you can see making survival. Yep. Awareness. Yep. Arcana. You mean dealing with weird magic? Yep. Medicine, treating dead people and figuring out poisons and diseases. Oh, wait, does Nurgle still yeah, exist yeah, in this yeah. world? Yep. Just describe like, two of my main uh, main hooks for this first adventure is weird sure. magic and death. <laughs> right. Lore. You mean knowing stuff? Yes, that's going to be relevant in most every game, right? Whereas, like, you can imagine lots of games going by where it's where you don't need to entertain anyone or handle any beasts. Okay. It's also an RPG. You can solve most problems with violence or stealing. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Sure. Like you, so, so like entertaining people, like you will just knock them out instead of entertain them or I'll intimidate them or. Right. So, so I hate that soul is already the lowest value attribute. And then you have to pump it to be a priest. And then once you've invested everything you've got to invest to be a priest, which is, you know, the equivalent, by the way, of spellcasting as far as total investment. Like, there's no difference. You have to invest the same amount of, of effort into either, which is fair. Like, that's probably how it should be. But then, after all of that, all that, you get one miracle, <laughs> which is just a prayer. The word miracle is a lie. Like, again, it makes it sound <laughs> bigger than it is, right? You get, you get a healing spell. Like, cool, good. I like having a healing thing. But, like, the spellcaster can get a healing spell and five other spells. Yeah. Right? Well, there's a diminishing returns on spellcasters getting other wins, essentially. Like it's Oh, it's super expensive to get other wins, but you can get into your own. But, again, you can get into your own wind at, you know, a relatively the same cost as buying more miracles. The trick is your starting block, right? G-Dad, wow, Mef's adventures involves death? No way. So, he... Uh, I don't even know how to how to how to quantify this. Uh, Mephisto, as you know him, the Age of Sigmar player, is a different animal from an RPG person. Uh, I like the evil GM persona as like a trope. I don't actually live in that space. Uh, I'm just telling a, a story. And like so, like my my evil GM persona doesn't serve me in a real game where I'm trying to tell a compelling story because that's competitive. Sure. You know, like so. It's funny to joke that I'm an evil GM on the internet and how, like, I kill parties and so, yeah, ha, ha, ha. I really don't because, like, I want the most out of my party. And being combative, the evil GM, is not conducive to what I want, which I, what I wish to accomplish. Um, so, like, you'd think that I would just basically be Nagash is the best and the world's going to end Nagash. That's not the game I'm going to tell. But for more on that, tune in next week. <laughs> yeah the, the the final thing i'd say is for those who might want to play who might want to um actually me okay soul does add to your metal and metal is one of the more powerful mechanics in the game however the trick is is that the difference you get out of that soul investment is so minimal like realistically it's literally the difference between one and two metal right because it's almost it's it's basically impossible for all intents and purposes to push yourself to such a level of soul where you get three metal. And even then it would be so minimal of a benefit because the way, soul, the way metal gets burnt and comes back, the difference between a character with one metal and two metal is negligible, mm. negligible. Hey, unbelievable. Thank you so much for that follow there. Uh, you want to talk about metal real quick while I go deal with my child? <laughs> sure. You go deal with your child. Let's, let's talk metal. Shall let's we talk metal? What separates 
I like the metal mechanic, by the way. So, so as a at the onset, I do enjoy the mechanic. I think it's pretty sweet. But sure, yeah, yeah please, sure. So, uh, let's talk about uh, metal. So, metal is what makes you a hero. Very few monsters have have metal, although some do. And the what metal does is it allows you to the most common use of it uh is going to be it allows you to take extra actions like you can burn a point of metal on your turn and you can just take an extra action uh this is a very powerful thing because obviously action economy is more or less the name of the game in these things and so getting extra actions is powerful like you can run up attack somebody spend a metal and then attack again um so that's real good because it's doubling your output right um some talents some miracles require you to spend metal or to spend metal to sustain them that's fine I'll, it, like whatever that's just so so you you know okay fine uh you can also do a thing where uh where you can like double your focus or double your dice like double your training um less valuable like uh you can only do those in combat you can't use them outside of combat which is weird um that's fine uh but you know it is what it is um the uh the most common thing you're going to do with it is take the extra actions the difference between a character like a priest with two metal and a character running or some warrior with one metal, the trick is every time you spend metal, you can spend down to zero and you gain back one metal. Uh, you gain back one metal on your turn every turn. Now, there is an optional rule where that metal doesn't come back so fast and then having a, a higher number would actually be way more valuable. But um, the standard assumption is that you gain back one metal. Um, you gain back one medal around. What this means is that if somebody only has one medal, every round they just burn it. Like, just, just there's no reason not to. You're leaving a resource sitting there if you're not burning it. So you should always be burning it to do something every round. Take an extra attack, double something, whatever. Like every round you burn your one medal because it's going to come back well, next round. You want to be uh, Scooby Doo in the gang. You want to ABM always be meddling. Correct. And if you have two and you burn off both in the first round, like you, you uh you prayer that requires you to use a metal and then you do an, and then you burn a metal to take an extra action well next turn you're going to only go back to one right uh and so at, from from round 1 on after you kind of did your little pop off there uh you're going to be at the same exact effective metal as the person who has one metal right yeah uh so there's just this kind of diminished capacity and as kicker just said if if there was a way to recover multiple metal, that would make a huge difference. I agree. There is not right now. I just set um, up. I just set up Chuck to be able to do so. <laughs> sure, because of his crate ability. But that's yeah. I mean, that's fine. I, I love what you did with that. That's a good example of just like you you gave you get like never as a player. Just kind of talk about player etiquette for a moment. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a player, never look into what your other people get and be like, how come I don't get that. Like when you gave that out to Chuck, full credit to all these to, to all the people who we're gonna we're gonna play this game with. 
we were all like, that is amazing. Yes, perfect. A plus. We love it. It's the best. And nobody was like, oh, what special thing do I get, Mef? Like that wasn't (laughs) that wasn't the point. Right. Right. We were we were all just thrilled because it was such a such a home run as to like what that thing he was getting was for who Chuck is and how Chuck plays and this reward of his narrative investment in his personal sort of his personal narrative, his personal story. It was just a great moment. He's been committed to Tay Rathy and Kraith and for just so long. It's like he finally gets to play the witch elf and I'm sitting there and like I have this opportunity where just where the discussions go. I'm like, oh, yeah, bonus talent. You're Kraith now. (laughs) And like you get the Kraith thing. So when you roll that D6 uh, at the end of, you know, uh, you know, after you fought in your combat or in, in your turn, roll a D6. If you get a six, you get one medal. So, like, I'm also kind of behooving him to burn his medal as well because he wants right. that one time where he gets to pop off twice, right? So, yep. yeah. So, that, but that just, so yeah. But I want crits in the game. That's, that's, oh, I forgot about quirks. Um, I oh, yeah, like, there's no crits. There's yeah. no crits. Um, there's no botches. I mean, there's, like, you can fail group tasks. Uh, there is, like, doom and there's some, some ancillary things that can occur but there's no there's no critical success or critical failure and that always right. just feels kind of like eh. um i don't really like critical failures that much by the way because you've already failed to do the thing you were trying to do that's enough of a punishment in my mind but then there's Agreed. no critical success there's no home run hit there's no like babe ruth moment where you i i ah, like i i don't like the lack of a crit exploding i don't know but that's a that's a product of dice pools when it gets right down to it, like it's just, it's hard to, you can do exploding sixes, but then that's kind of, you know, it, I yeah, yeah, it's, no, it just it doesn't feel the same. Yeah. And the answer is yes, there are failures with spells. It's like, so yes, you can miscast with a spell and it's cool, but that's really the only, that's really the only failure state in the game, other than like the obvious, right? Like if you fail you to kill the, the blood thing. warrior before it kills you, that you didn't do the thing, if yeah, you, you whatever, whatever. Yeah, not doing the thing is already kind of punishment in and of itself. Um, Failing to cast spells because spells are very powerful in this game. Um, Spellcasting, they are. Magic is real. Yeah, magic is good. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, It's pretty easy to make like a a a combat like uh, like a combat badass like melee badass. Um, There's a couple like really solid builds. Hey, kicker! Thank you so much. Two months subbing. Thank you so much. Uh, Remember to spam all those emotes on on all the various other streamers' pages. Invade them with. uh, chat gang emotes and especially nagash let them all know uh <laughs> uh yeah like like um but like so it's it's pretty there's it's pretty easy to make like decent combat remember combat doesn't really have a resource you know there's no resource to hit cast sword um spellcasting actually doesn't really have a resource it just has an, an added step to it you know and that actually yep. so that's actually pretty cool I kind of like that there's no mana or spells per day. No, I, I agree. It's just, yeah, you can just pop off constantly. Yeah, yeah. And that's great. And I agree with with Professor who said he digs the, the magic and the magic creator. I agree. I think their magic creator system, like I said, I made a bunch of spells, uh, all the Skaven and Goblin spells, and I felt like it was quite easy to follow. And for the most part, if you wanted to do unusual effects, uh, like, because, the, the I mean, obviously, anytime you're using a table of, like, add one if it does this thing, there's always going to be off-table effects you want because it's magic. Magic breaks the rules. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, that's the whole point. So if you want to break the rules in a really weird way, um, you know, where it's 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 
where it's doing something very different. So, like, for example, here's a spell that would be doing all the same, right? I could make a spell called, like, Swarm of Swords, right? Or Racist Swords, <laughs> where, like, <laughs> I summon a bunch of magical swords, and they go and they fly into it, and they go and stab all the enemies in the zone. So it's like, pick a, a, a pick, choose a zone within medium range. Uh, every creature in that zone suffers one damage. Each additional success uh, increases the damage by one. That would be a pretty standard spell. And you could go and calculate that. The fact that there's not a, like, summon magical swords and send them a people spell yet, doesn't matter. That's ultimately extremely calculable, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if I wanted to make a spell where, like, uh, I teleport to an adjacent to a medium range so hence an adjacent zone and as i teleport i uh cause one of the 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 people that i land next to to be in an impenetrable bubble with me so i like i go over and lock them in you want to just as uh, nothing personnel kid them in other words yeah exactly like uh, that is going to be a little bit more tricky to like, uh, to like, um, you know, cost out. Yeah. Right. They. You can still. You can still get there. You just have to be a like. You have to kind of infer. Yeah. Yeah. You have to infer, and they've established values at all so that you can even begin to make those those decisions, which I think is super important. Um, you know, I, I think of mage. Uh. Uh, like the early Mage the Ascension, the circa like 2000 era Mage game from White Wolf. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah. their spells were so loosely defined on what you could do with them that right. like you could... Because it was literally just breaking reality in Mage. That well, was the whole yeah, point. Yeah, what you paid point... was the the more you broke reality, the, the worse yeah, it was. Yeah, there was backlash, the paradox and stuff like that. Yep. Um, but it's like, you know, I, like, I remember being like, well, like if I want to you know, have like a gun that I keep in a safe at home and then I wear a trench coat because Matrix had, I think, just come out um, when I started playing Mage. I'm like, and then like I have a trench coat and then like I reach inside my trench coat and I pull out a, like an Uzi um, that's in a safe at home. What's the paradox like? Because like in a trench coat, it seems like I could have an Uzi there. And then like arguing with my GM and like going over that and like how much paradox that would be. That was like, ugh, you know, Right. I, I love right. mage because the the upward limits are infinite. You could do whatever, but then like that whole the fact that it was just it was such in the already abstract with no no real barriers beyond this many spheres does this much stuff like or rather conceivably does this much stuff, but at, use your imagination. Like right. you, you gotta give me some again limit some barrier some thing because then I can I can extrapolate beyond that or i can tweak that i can go a teleport is about as much as this effect right. of movement right it's probably a little bit better than just straight moving 30 feet because you teleport there but uh i can balance that by giving it a limitation i can balance that by making it harder to do and to even begin to to navigate that though you, you need to have some system and their magic system for creating spells i think is it's it's more than adequate like, yeah, hundred percent. I didn't find any challenge in making all the spells I needed to make, so I felt like I was able to either look at another spell and use that uh, DN because it was like almost an exact duplicate. Because lots of spells in a point of fact, lots of spells in AOS are basically carbon copies of each other, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, 
do D3 mortal wounds and give a penalty or bonus in X. Right. Like, you know, yeah, like, or like roll a die for everybody in the unit and on a this number they take a mortal wound. Like, okay, yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah, Check. Yeah. You know. Uh so it's it's not like there's a huge amount of variance out there. Um some of them get a little weirder, but you know, hey, that's fine. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Cracks Call was a fun one to write, the Skaven spell Cracks Call, where you like open a, a crack in the ground and it tests against their movement to whether or not they fall in. That was a that was a fun one. <laughs> um uh I'm uh, where is this? The rules for creation are so simple I feel it's easy to positively manipulate for some fun or creativity. I think that's a that is a point I would put in brackets for a lot of this game. Um mm-hmm. the, like one of the great successes of this game is like Again, the, the dice pools and stuff like that, it can get real crunchy. The ladder is going to take some time to adjust to. The ladder plus uh, being trained plus focus, like that's going to take some time for some... You know, players will pick it up, but it's going to take some time to internalize. Um, it's not... It's certainly not like uh, busting out the Fibonacci sequence every time you roll dice. Uh, sure. But but like what they did with a lot of the, these... with uh, We talk about the, the abstractions. Zones... Uh, damage not really being codified like what they've done is they've given you agency to be creative i love that I, that's the thing i just I, I love about this so much because for me age of sigmar is a creative space um right i know i'm not known for my my hobby uh but like you know when i make a list i'm i'm exercising some degree of creativity with like wanting to make this puzzle work or or um you know i'm telling a story like i have to use this character because i wrote a narrative i'm not to the extent that chuck is but like you're you're always there there's there's so much of that personality and that creativity in age of sigmar that to have a game that is an rpg which is the realm of creativity for me just boundless creativity the theater of the mind's eye like it is um but like you know not everyone's as wildly creative as the next person and and you need to give them a fulcrum some some place to balance upon some place to come together that's where rules for me come in in handy and Mm -hmm. i i think they've struck a very good balance of facilitating creativity and giving you rules to be creative with starting with archetypes uh uh three out of four people in our party are not playing a a, an archetype they're playing their their self-built characters i think that's going to be a norm as you go forward, I think you're gonna see a lot more people exploring their their stuff. But well, especially just... as you get deep into it, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Especially we're a year out, right? You know, we've got a couple, we've got a couple new splat books or whatever, and we're we're a year out, and now people are exploring that splat book plus their non archetype. I think that's gonna happen, but you're still gonna have the person who's just like, well, can I just be this archetype and swap these three things? And you're gonna ask the GM. The GM's gonna go, yo, do that. They even give you for your attributes. They say as the archetype thing, you can trade, you can trade to. Right. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely with that. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of, uh, they've, they've laid some good groundwork here, ultimately, that's what I'll say. And I think that they, they have a lot of room to run on this and I'll be interested to see like, uh, what kind of supplements they come out with. Like clearly, clearly more monsters, more magic items, more magic is in the cards in general. So I'll be, I'll be keen to see that. I will say that like. I hope that they take action on the few little, little things and kind of make some changes. Uh, I think that would be cool. Do you think they've left themselves enough wiggle room to fix miracles? Why not? Like, at, like there's one talent down the line that like fixes it, so it's a little bit of a heavier investment in talents. 
Uh, but like you have the one talent that just says, if you have this miracle, you get two other miracles or you know, something like this. It's just something that says you're an expanded miracle worker. Um, like some, 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 how would you, I, guess, I would just fix it by literally erasing the, you gain one and say you gain three so, in the, in the original book. Yeah. You know, yeah. See, that's, the I would update the PDF and republish it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, it does feel like that's, that's maybe one of the, the, the but we'll see how I feel. Like, that's one of the reasons I'm keen to play the character that I'm playing. We'll see how it all shakes out, right? I mean, time will tell. Maybe I'll maybe I'll come back in a month after we've played some games, and I'll be like, nah, I was full of it. It's fine. Everything's everything's good. I doubt it. I, I feel like I have a pretty good read on this, but I'm open to experience. So that, that's I, I think people can carry that into their assessment of battle tomes and rules. That's just a good way to go into any game. Any game. Mm -hmm. Have a read. Feel like you're... Feel like you know what you're talking about because confidence in yourself is that's important, yo. Uh, but being open to experiencing, so that's just a soapbox moment. Um, you are seeing a great transition from a war game to an RPG. I love they keep. Uh, I love that they kept all the same spells and mechanics for a lot of the enemies. It was well thought out. Uh, I, I it, they really wanted to be like, yo, you play Age of Sigmar. Here's an RPG. What I find kind of utterly fascinating is if you kind of track the RPG inception is it was essentially boiling down a ah, war game to like, well, what if we zoom you in on playing a character? You know, that was the question Guy Gax and, and his, uh, and his friend answered, um, from Minnesota. I'm, I'm Dave sorry. Arneson, Dame Arneson. That was the question they, they asked each other and answered, right. Um, was, well, what if we take chain mail, a war game, and then we, instead of playing units and being chess masters, we zoom in and you play, a single model within that unit that was yeah that certainly was, that was Gygax's focus yes yeah right right and uh i think you're watching that play out in real time with with soulbound and i think there's there's kind of a beauty to it where they really are yeah. just zooming you in on a single single model uh but like there's beauty in the abstraction and they've 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 gone bigger and more interesting than just you know, no, you really do just play, uh, you know, a Lord Arcanum class. Right, right. And no, I, I, it's it's a nice advantage that we have these, that, that you can be a little more varied with it. I think that's actually a good thing, not a bad thing. Right. Um, it's interesting that they've given you the tools. Like, this This is honestly, um, it's, it's well-designed in, in a lot of ways. So, again, even though there are things I would change, that's not a uh that is not in any way meaning that it's there's things i would change about every game because i mean that's no just hit, the nature of yeah, games no one's you know the 100 grand slam no one's 100 percent catered to you um i guess at some point you just decide to go out and design your own game because no one's 100 <laughs> percent nailed it right um, right um no i i i um i i dig it Obviously, and hence how you get fantasy heartbreakers. What? Fantasy heartbreakers is a gener generic term for a series of originally coined for six games that came out in the '90s that were all D and D. But what if this was like this? And they would effectively they were all perfectly good games in their own right, but they were all just D and D. But we changed one mechanic. Like spellcasting, in fact, works like this, or blah 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 works like this. And none of them ever really sold or became very popular. And the, the the term was coined fantasy heartbreakers because they didn't have their own identity. 
there's no nobody's looking for just D and D, but we fixed this one thing. People will just fix that one thing on their own or get used to it. <laughs> okay. The thing that bothers you isn't its own game. If you're going to make a game, as somebody who's made several games, several of which are bad, um, if you're going to make a game, then you need to make sure it has its own identity and reason for existing. It's the reason I haven't written another game in the past several years, because I don't have any idea that that I think stands alone and it needs to exist that says to me, this 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 should exist. Writing is, um, this is the uh, the strong and white. I would rather have a writer who is wrong but confident than a writer who is correct but spineless. Like you got to be bold. You got to own it and 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 make a mark. Um, you know, you got to say something. Um, I think this game says a lot. Um, sure. I I um, I guess I missed the the fantasy heartbreakers phase. I nineties. I was not playing D and D. I was playing like TMNT and stuff, ninjas and super spies. Uh, well, so which I, all of the all of those Playdium games very much had their own identity because uh, they're crazy. Well, and heinous flaws, like hein- like there were there were some he- ninjas and super spies. Uh, is just a God. I loved it when I was a kid, but I, I look back on that game and I'm just like, there's so many problems with everything going on here. Uh, sure, you know, like tape recorders costing a million dollars to put in a robot, like. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> but, but that's part of the charm, right? Um, I would point out that Ninjas and Super Spies also had game design as a skill you could take, which was very funny to me. That was that was funny. Um, that and it gave you more mental endurance. <laughs> Being a little cheeky with it. Um, I, I Yeah, I, I, I'm pleased with Soulbound. Any, I feel like uh, we've been pretty thorough. Um, no, I think we've 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 hit most of the, the the marks here, my friend. Yeah, we didn't do a like a how to play the game, uh, I guess. Nah. And we didn't go through like A B C D E like a battle tome review because uh, you know that wouldn't have been as fun as uh, meandering through and kind of landing on all the topics. Um, yeah, I, I I really like this. I think it's a great I think it's a great first printing. I I want to see where they go from here, and clearly I'll be running a game of it. And we're going to be getting in real time some like stress tests and, and, you know, we're going to get into the thick of some story things that I want to do. And, you know, does it get in my way or does it get out of my way? Things like that, that I begin to care about as a GM, you know? Um, Yeah. You should have somebody on who's really deep. I'll openly admit like my focus has been more on the, the mechanics and, and the game itself. And I haven't been, I haven't really cracked much into the lore section yet. Because, like, my chief interest was with the mechanics and in doing that kind of stuff. So, you know, you got to have somebody on who's 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 the big learner. You got to get into that. Because there is a lot of great lore stuff in here, but do, do that's you, not me. Hang on. Do you mean I need to have Shu from Rerolling Ones come on in two I, weeks? That sounds perfect. Yeah, so I should have Shu from Rerolling Ones come on, and then we, we talk a bit more of a narrative focus of Soulbound. Hey, weird how that'll work. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, I'm doing a two-part series on Soulbound, everybody. And so you should look out for that next episode. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, man. Um, anything you want to put on blast? Anything you want to shout out before we get out of here? No, I mean, I think I've, I've, I think I've spruced too much of my own stuff so far, buddy. I'm good. I, I'm a, I'm a, I am amazed that I watched Warhammer Weekly for literal years and had no idea you did ngs until like 
I basically talked directly to you. With how, like, almost... Like, I mean, the poster hangs in the background, so I'm, like, aware. But, like, I hadn't... It was, like, it, you don't... I feel like you don't shill it enough, man. I, I'm not living that life. I'm, I'm there to talk about Warhammer. You don't need me trying to sell everything that I, I do. It's not what I'm there on. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, a tip of the hat, because uh, I will gladly sell sell out as hard as possible. <laughs> well, if I, if I write another game at some point, I'm sure you'll hear all about it. Don't worry. <laughs> I will be talking about it then. Perfect, perfect. All right, man. Uh, thank you, chat gang. You are the show within the show. You're the reason we do this. Um, remember to be excellent to yourself and each other's. Vince, thanks for talking Soulbound with me. I will... Uh, Happy to do it, brother. I'll see you next Friday. We're going to roll some That's dice. Right. We're going to kill some That's bats. right. Uh, and also, uh, there will be an Ossiarch Bone Reapers NPC. So now you can finish your beers. Good night, everybody. <laughs>